of the crop. And there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. Finally, the Rock has come back. This is where the big boys play, huh? Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. I am the best wrestler in the world. I'm the modern kid. Make yourself famous. These two are kicking each other's ass. <laughs> oh my God, what the heck? What did Titus just... I can't believe what I just saw! I'm better than you, and you know it! Stenavos! Settle! Your AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker! August 20th, 2021, I'm back! It's showtime, folks! Hello and welcome to the WrestleBlast podcast. My name's David Cardiff, your host and judge for tonight's bloody, concussive and puppy-filled review. Uh, the Royal Rumble 2000, that is. And joining me as ever, and honorary member of the Main Street Posse, Andre Wakefield. How you doing, man? How's it going, man? <laughs> this is our first live stream, and like I told you in the messages, I was hoping that we don't have any technical difficulties. And of course, Discord completely <laughs> goes out. Yeah, and that's... here we are, live streaming. It, we're winging it. Yes, yeah, uh, exciting new uh, adventure for us, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> increasing our repertoire of many different platforms that we're uh, that we're going across. So, uh, yes, hello yeah, to everyone on just... Twitch. You can see us. Yeah, thanks for being here, even though no one's here. But that's okay. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, yeah. Uh, jo- John Cena is here, at least. <laughs> Uh, how you doing, man? Apart from the, the technical hitches with Discord, uh, are you doing good? Um, are you keeping well? Pretty good. Just playing some games. I just played uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy game, oh. which I was blown away by. I was not expecting it to be so good. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, I keep seeing people saying really good things about that game, but I uh, there's just man, there's too many games at the moment to play. I've been um, I, I, a friend put me onto Xbox Game Pass on PC. Oh, and yeah. that has been pretty much all I've been looking at now for the past sort of a uh, few weeks. And we're sort of moving into the uh, Elden Ring territory, so I'm afraid my life's going to be probably taken up by a lot of that soon enough. So, yeah, I'm moving into the Horizon, the new Horizon game, which is like a week before Elden Ring, I think. So mm-hmm. that that's my big game for next month. Excellent. Yes, I have been playing Forza Horizon. On, uh, oh no! I'm talking about the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. Oh uh, yes, PS5. Yeah, yeah for, you got a PS5. Yeah, Horizon uh, Forbidden West. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it looks incredible. Hopefully, yeah. in four years' time, they'll release it on PC, um, and then I can enjoy it too. That'd they should. Nice. <laughs> they just released God of War. Hopefully, you tried that out. I have got it. Yes, it is awesome. I'm just getting distracted by too many good games at the moment. So yeah, there's too much going on. I am. Um, hopefully, I'm going to get a good rattle at it in the near future, but we'll see. Um, Covid has hit our our family here, um, oh, so no we're sort of on lockdown at the moment. So uh, the nights have been very quiet. My wife, unfortunately, is the one that's got Covid, and some of the kids, and I've managed to dodge that bullet so far. So hopefully, it stays that are way. Are you guys, are you guys vaccinated? Double vaxxed, and we've got the booster and everything, so we're doing okay. Okay, yeah. so she's she's doing okay. Yeah, she feels okay. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. I, I definitely think that the, the booster and everything helped. So uh, yeah. I think my parents and I are the only people I know that don't have COVID or haven't had it yet. But we are like in prison. We don't leave the house at all. So 
yeah. it's insanity. This is pretty much my world here in this little sort of office I've got. I don't tend to to, to stray too far from the house anyway, so uh, I think it was the uh, the kids that got it in school, unfortunately. But of course, yeah. There you go. Nothing you can well, do. Well, I mean, be- best wishes. Hopefully, passes quickly and no lasting effects or anything like that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But moving backwards in time to a time before coronavirus, way, 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 way back to uh, January 23rd, 2022 years ago, which is yeah, kind of crazy. insane to think. I mean, yeah, a couple of days removed, in fact, from January, obviously, 23rd. So it was the anniversary of this event uh, this week. Um, New York, New York City, Madison Square Garden is the scene for tonight's show, the Royal Rumble 2000. Everything, of course, at that stage was named 2000. If it was a video game, it had 2000 at the end. If it was a movie, it had 2000 at the end. Uh, and if it was a wrestling event, of course, it had to have 2000 at the end as well. So here we this are. This time period reminds me of uh, Sid Vicious on WCW. Breaking his leg. He was doing a, <laughs> no, he was doing a promo where he kept yelling, Jeff Jarrett, I'll see you at... Uncensored 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild, absolutely wild time for video games. It's much like the uh, Nintendo 64 era of years, in that everything has to have a 64 at the end. Oh yeah, uh, for a period anyway. Uh, so let's get stuck straight in. I guess let's go backwards in time to our favorite segment: music, games, and movies. Uh, so the year 2000, what did uh, what did it give us? Well, not much, because obviously with it being the start of the year, not much had really come out at that stage. Uh, but we will start with music and go back to the top 10. I'll start with the UK charts and then Andre uh, Tonyon, who uh, is new to the channel, will uh, basically go through the US charts and then we'll go back through video games and a little jump through the movies. And then I've also got a bit of a surprise with some news at the time as well, just because I thought there was uh, not much happening at the time. Okay. So UK charts. Sounds good. Number 10 was Westlife, Westlife with I Have a Dream slash Seasons in the Sun. We've discussed Westlife before. I think I will have to splice them in this time so you can uh, you can wander in the marvel that is uh, the, the wet duvet that is uh, Westlife. I have a dream, a to help me with anything If you see the wonder Of the fairy tale You can take future Yeah, and just for future references, once I figure out how to do streaming and uh, OBSing and all that, I'll be live splicing things in, hopefully. Oh. Once I learn how to do that, but okay. for now we're keeping it very bare bones. Cause I, my my only hope is that nothing shuts down. So that's all I'm okay. hoping for. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I, uh, I you, you took the, the the lead on this whole Twitch thing, and um, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, number nine was DJ Luck and MC Neat. Uh, with a little bit of luck, I have no <laughs> recollection of this song. There's a few. That's what we song. need. We need a little <laughs> bit of luck, need. a little bit of DJ luck. So maybe we'll splice that one in as well. Uh, 
Uh, number eight was New Generation, spelt N-U, of course, uh, with In Your Arms, uh, in brackets, Rescue Me. Number seven was Artful Dodger, featuring Craig David with Rewind, the crowd say Bo Selecta, which was, I remember, pretty big at the time. We have number six, Highgate, with Pitchin, and then in brackets it says In Every Direction, which I find quite <laughs> funny. Uh, we have Des Mitchell at number five with Welcome to the Dance. Number four is like a great song by the Manic Street Preachers, and it's The Masses Against the Classes, which I'm definitely, definitely going to be splicing in because it's one of my favourite Manic songs. It is class. is Scanty Sandwich with Because of You <laughs> which I have no idea we may have to do a no few idea. splices just a little brief uh, little taste to some of these these people because I have no idea who Scanty Sandwich is number two is Donnell Jones with You Know What's Up spelt with a just a U on its own at the start of course it's yeah, a style at the of time course. Yeah. <laughs> number one was Britney Spears with Born to Make You Happy which I'm pretty sure everyone's familiar oh. with so finally know a song <laughs> oh, okay. i used to like that song me and my mom used to listen to it when we were back in russia except we didn't speak english so we had no idea what was being said <laughs> in it we just liked the sound of it <laughs> so you had britney spears teaching you uh english or sort of pseudo english yeah, in russia amazing <laughs> yeah so uh once again the charts are completely different in the u.s okay Number 10 was My Love is Your Love by Whitney Houston. Oh. Number 9, I Need to Know by Mark Anthony. Oh, okay, yeah. Number number 8, That's the Way It Is by Celine Dion. Grim. Number 7, Hot Boys by Missy Elliott featuring Nas, Eve, and Q-Tip. Number 6, everybody knows this one, Eiffel 65 oh, Blue. Jesus Christ. Double yeah. D. Horrendous. <laughs> Horrendous. <laughs> well, it's already stuck in my head. Just, just looking at the name of this song. <laughs> Number five, "Bring It All to Me" by Black, which was a female R&B group. Uh, number four uh, is "Back at One" by Brian McKnight. Number three is "Smooth" by Santana and Rob Thomas. I remember this was pretty big. Yeah, we've well, discussed this before. Santana and Smooth. That was on another show of ours as well. So. It's lasted yeah. a, a fair while. Yeah. Um, must, must have been one of our 1999 shows. Mm. Uh, number two is What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera. And number one is I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. 
Oh, Jesus. To my surprise, there's no rap on here at all. Mm -hmm. Because usually there's one or two rap songs. Even in 1992, we had, uh, I think, MC Hammer, was it? Mm -hmm. Here, the highest rated rap song is number 37, which is Back That Ass Up by Juvenile. (laughs) 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 And (laughs) if you know, you know. That's all I got to say about that song. Wow. Well, would it be too, it wouldn't be too long away from uh, Dre releasing his album, would it? The the, the massive Uh, album. That's true, yeah. The Chronic, wasn't it? Uh, the Chronic 2001, yeah, yeah, that's what it was called. So, so. not not too long away, and so that, and then that would and pretty I, much be. I the think charts. Eminem was starting out. Eminem was starting out at that time too. Yeah, so it wouldn't be too long before all that was yeah. in the chart music would be sort of rap and hip hop and stuff. So, yeah, yeah grim year for, yeah, right here for it's, some it's, music. It's full of uh, pop and R and B and like soft rock type stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, moving over to video games. As I say, there really isn't much happening in January because no games really get released in January at the time. So we've got Crazy Taxi, which came out on January 24th. We've got Mario Party 2 on the N64, which came out on January 24th as well. And then we have Dragon Warriors Monsters on the 27th and a game called Nox on the 31st um we would get resident evil code veronica on february 3rd so at least um there's a little bit of uh, sort of decent games coming out on the sort of horizon and i will mention a few yeah. other games as well that came out just in and around february because they're some of my favorites the sims the very first sims came out mm. on february 4th and my favorite game of all time vagrant story on the playstation one which is my top Oh yeah. Top top tippity top Square Enix or Square <laughs> at the time Squaresoft game. I think it's the best. So uh it's just off the top of my head, but I believe the PlayStation 2 released in March of 2000, at least in uh <laughs> North America. Okay. And maybe April. Uh also the very first SmackDown game comes out on March 2000. Ah, okay. So, so a couple of months after this pay-per-view is mm-hmm. when that came out. Yeah. Awesome. So there are some good games coming out that year. Just nothing at the start of the year, unfortunately. Yeah. Moving over just quickly to movies then. Uh, we have uh, number 10, Any Given Sunday. Uh, number 9 was Magnolia. Number 8 was The Talented Mr. Ripley. Number 7 was Toy Story 2. Number 6 was Girl Interrupted. Number 5 was Galaxy Quest, which is a great movie. Uh, oh, yeah, classic. Number 4 is The Green Mile, another great movie. Uh, number three is The Hurricane. Um, not What's Up With That Fella. Stand back. I think it's a Denzel film based on the boxer. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. Number two is Stuart Little. And number one is Next Friday, which is not the best Friday. Because <laughs> the first one's the I've best. only seen the original Friday. Yeah, Next Friday's not as good. But it's still it's still pretty good. It's good, good easy watching. So, yeah. Not much happening in the uh, cinemas there. Green Mile, though, was a massive, massive film. Uh, and a bit of a classic, I suppose. Uh, and then mm-hmm. just a couple of sort of um, events in and around uh, the the weekend here for this this time period. Um, the Golden Globes happened on the same day as the Royal Rumble. Um, we had Sopranos pretty much cleaning up across the board um, for uh, like the best television series um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Sex in the City wins uh, an award as well. Toy Story 2 wins the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture. Um, and then American Beauty, which must have not been that long out of the cinema, wins Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture Drama. So a few uh, notable things there. One, one other thing. Uh, 
this is again off the top of my head, so I may be a bit off, but I believe George Bush took office this that that week. Mm, okay. In America, so George Bush Jr. Deal with that information, whatever you want. Yes. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I think <laughs> the good, best, good old W. The best. Uh, yes, yeah, so less best less said about him. Probably the best, but seems to be a fairly decent dude now, which is quite nice to see. So well, I mean, the bar is so low now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone immediately looks a bit ten times better than George, than uh, than a certain president or ex president. Uh, okay, so moving over to our event for today, the Royal Rumble 2000, and our show I gotta starts... Ask you, I gotta start with a question. Go, go for it. How many low blows did you count on this show? Uh, we will get to that. Uh, we do have a match of a thousand low blows later, uh, which we will get to, but there is at least, I would say, between 10 and 15 in total, but there's probably more, because I didn't count them all, but... Maybe one day when I just lose my mind completely, I'll go back and rewatch Royal Rumble '92 and count all the eye pokes. <laughs> then I'll rewatch Royal Rumble 2000 and count all the low blows and see who got more. That could be a fairly good game, a good drinking game. Anyway, is certainly on these old uh, WWF slash WWE pay per views, uh, counting various moves or uh, low blows or things that King says. Uh, there, there's tons of <laughs> oh, that God. too. They call you Cactus. They call you Triple H. King of the death match. The myth that lost an ear and a man that will go to any length to win. Barbed wire scars, C4 explosives, blood, sweat, and tears. You've maimed, crippled, and injured men your entire career. Some say you shoot from the hip. You will lose this street fight. I say you just shoot your mouth off. Some say you can't be beat. I am the game. I say I've played this game before and won. I am Triple H. I am Cactus Jack. Some call me sick and sadistic. I am the sickest SOB. In the business, I call myself the World Wrestling Federation champion. There will be no laughter, no no regret, no regret, no remorse. And now, 1-800-COLLECT presents, live from New York's Madison Square Garden, the WWF Royal Rumble. The show starts with a video package straight away and it begins with uh, a sort of moody voiceover between Triple H and Cactus Jack. Uh, they both sort of take it in turns to say, they call you Cactus Jack, they call you Triple H. And it's an incredible opening hype package building up the feud and the match tonight. Uh, both men just putting on a stellar performance in this video package and then really just telling the viewer just how sadistic each other is. They mentioned Jack's history. Um, they, I think they showed some sort of clips of his old sort of matches that weren't perhaps part of the WWF. Um, just a really great video package to get things going. And then we immediately open into Madison Square Garden um, with 19,231 people in attendance at a buy rate of 590,000 um, and yeah, 
Go for it. What have you got for <laughs> Instead me? of interrupting you, I want to raise my hand <laughs> like I'm in school. But uh, what I found interesting about this is that you open with this package, and it just goes to show that this Royal Rumble pay-per-view actually has other feuds. And it's like this mm. world title heated feud is almost more important than the Rumble itself. And uh, in recent years, it's just the, the Royal Rumble, it's important Who's going to be the surprise entrant? Mm-hmm. We need to fill out the card with random matches, so let's just throw stuff on there. And there's like no chance of the challenger ever winning the world championship at current Royal Rumbles. But here it's like, wow, the Royal Rumble is important, but there's also other important stuff going on. So mm. I like that. Yeah, there's a fair bit of bollocks so involved in that, um, in that there were certainly yeah. tag team championship matches happening tonight, okay. uh, intercontinental <laughs> championship matches, but there's a little bit of, a little bit of bollocks we're going to get to, yeah, uh, which is uh, always nice to see. There's a, at least a little, a wee shade of bollocks on this, uh, on these shows. Uh, we get these awesome sweeping shots of Madison Square Garden, and you know I've said in the past uh, to you that I just think Madison Square Garden is one of the best arenas for like a WWF or. Uh, wrestling pay-per-view I think it's just got such a great atmosphere it looks to have it because everyone just is crammed in because it's a smaller arena um, I really like what they did with the entrance ramp even though they have like no space whatsoever they turned it into like this back alley street mm. with like graffiti on the walls and that the actual path where the wrestlers walk it looks like a, a road like a like mm. drive on so I thought that was pretty cool and then there's a taxi that's hanging over mm. like a wreck taxi so i thought they they did a lot with that small space yeah they really did it was um a, a bit of a, a, a far a far cry from the you know survivor series 2002 which was the last time we reviewed a madison square garden show which was for the survivor series 2002 and sean michaels uh sort of historic win i guess um where they just had like the video doors the big giant doors which i yeah. did really really like but it would have been cool if they had that taxi and then the video doors here like that would have been awesome because it would have been like times square or something but uh, mm-hmm. you're right it looks great uh, and the atmosphere mm-hmm. is wild uh, jr and king welcomes us to a huge amount of noise and millions of signs in the audience and yeah it just looks incredible and immediately we get kurt angle's music kicking us off and uh, he's currently unbeaten since his debut in uh, i believe it was 1999 or maybe late to 1998 but kurt grabs the mic no, it was it was like it was like a few months before this, so okay. it was 99. So it's in and around, yeah. yeah. Some stage in 99. Uh, he grabs the mic and does the old switcheroo promo, first saying how great it is to be in New York, and then immediately lambasts the New York Knicks for that cheap heat that you've got to get if you're a wrestler. Just go for the sports team and Yeah, so many sports win. references on this show. It was just everywhere. Oh, oh boy, there was there. Yeah, there's, there's one in a wee bit that we'll get to, which I... Yeah, I'll get to it later. Anyway, um, <laughs> he tells the crowd he's going to be their champion tonight and that his unknown opponent should give it his all, his three eyes, and cherish this moment and that he can tell that he is his grandkids someday. And immediately the mood is about to change as Taz's heartbeat music pumps over the speakers and he makes his way down to a thunderous reaction. And we even got Taz chance before he came out. So there's a lot of uh, That pop marks. was crazy. I was not expecting it. I know you told me he was making his debut, and but 
he was like Hulk Hogan the here. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. And he yeah. looked, I mean, he was tanned to the nines. He looked in great shape. Um, and obviously, he was about as tail as Hulk Hogan, too. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously saw his last match in ECW. We reviewed for our November to Remember match. So he's not long removed from uh, ECW. So he's in great shape here. And we get Kurt Angle versus Taz kicking off, kicking us off with the first match. And uh, immediately Taz sends Angle to the outside early after a cheap shot. Angle suplexes him on the outside onto the concrete before working him over back in the ring. Uh, there's a belly-to-back suplex by Kurt before Kurt climbs to the top but is crotched and then is belly-to-back suplexed from the top for a near fall. Uh, but Kurt hooks the ropes with his leg, which Taz misses, so he thinks he's won. So he kind of looks a bit stupid here. Um... Kurt tries a small package on the distracted Taz, but Taz kicks out. Bridging German suplex to Taz, but Taz kicks out. There's an over-the-head release suplex by Taz, which Kurt sells a bit early, so that he sort of jumps up and sort of arches backwards, and then Taz has to do it again, so they do a second lift. Um, there's a capture release uh, suplex, T-bone suplex, Taz mission, which puts Kurt completely out on the mat at the 3 minute and 16 mark. Um, and then the announcers sort of argue between themselves. King and JR argue that uh, the hold was illegal, uh, but the ref did award it. So obviously it wasn't illegal yeah. to the referee. Uh, and they just sort of go back and forth saying that Kurt shouldn't have lost because it was an illegal I was, move. I was confused because JR said, well, this is an all-holds-barred match, but still, that, that was a choke. And I was like, what? Since when is this an all-holds-barred match? That means no DQ. Like, Yeah. That just didn't make sense to me. I but. guess because it was maybe an unsanctioned match, but they never really went. They never really explained it. They just said that it was an unknown opponent. So you're right; it was a bit weird. They just sort of seemed to play a bit free and loose with the rules here. I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the uh, short match and the presentation of Taz here? So I've heard of this match before. I've never seen it. I've heard that Taz made his debut against Kurt Angle. I've heard that he beat him, and I was like, okay, this was just. I felt like I was in bizarre land. It was just, Kurt, I, I when I see Kurt Angle, he's arguably the greatest of all time in my opinion. Mm. He's always like a world champion level in my in my mind. And uh, seeing him here being like almost buried like this, it was just so weird. And <coughs> being buried by Taz, who I think of as a comedy commentator on SmackDown, mm. <laughs> it was just like, what is going on here? But. I don't know. This match was super fast. It was a, uh, it was a glorified squash match mm. uh, from Taz. So it wasn't necessarily great, but those, all those throws and suplexes were really impressive, and the crowd was just going crazy. And uh, yeah, I think today's fans would say, "Oh, Kurt got buried. He's he's gonna get released soon." But <laughs> we all know that Kurt became one of the greats, and mm-hmm. uh, even a few months later, he won the world championship. So. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Taz, this was the peak of his career. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that they were heavily invested in Angle because there was a lot of focus immediately after the match straight to Angle. I mean, Taz gets announced as the winner. He walks out of the ring. You can see him marching to the back and, in, in, you know, in the background and they all just focus on, on Kurt Angle, who they're sort of worried about. JR does his sort of, well, I, I don't know if he's okay there, King, and does this sort of serious voice and... Um, so you could tell that they, they had a lot of focus on, on Kurt Angle and that they must have known what they had because he's, you know, even though he gets a short amount of promo time here, he's he's just got something about him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Vince was heavily involved in that development, you know, because originally they wanted him to be the big American hero and then they transitioned him into the heel and it worked 
perfectly. Um, you're right, this is an incredible moment just to sort of witness Taz, you know, beating Kurt Angle. Um, and I can remember watching this uh, live, like, vividly. And oh, wow. I can remember the lead-up to this match in that every week they would play the heartbeat over the uh, it would be mm. on Raw and stuff and they would have the heartbeat flash up on the screen and it'd be exciting because you'd be like what's this about who's this and I wasn't really into ECW at that time you know a lot of people will say they were but in the UK and Ireland it's really hard would have been really hard to get you know an ECW show at that stage so it wasn't until much later that I became more familiar with the ECW sort of guys um, I, I do think that um, it, it, it should have been more of a squash um, but not against Kurt Angle because it's a very famous moment it is very short and it is a bit of a squash squash, but I think that it should have been somebody else, like they could have put anybody out there, could have been Al Snow for instance and Al Snow could have just got completely squashed in three minutes and there would have been no offence at all I think that they gave Kurt Angle a little bit too much you know, even though it, it's obvious he's going to get something because he's amazing, but I think they could have just mm-hmm. had a jobber in there, squash the life out of him, and have no offense whatsoever, and have Taz just you know standing tall. New York would have been much better than tr- sort of trying to squeeze in uh, a storyline where you know Kurt Angle was on a uh, sort of undefeated streak at the, at that time, and the uh, victory would get overturned, so Kurt would be undefeated as well, which didn't really do anything oh, okay. for Taz. So, well, okay. I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but can we just kind of include Kurt's promo from later in the show? Because he, he he had a little short backstage segment. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Uh, later in the show where basically, which I thought was pretty funny, uh, the doctor was checking on Kurt and Kurt was like, he was like, did I win? Did I win? <laughs> yeah. He was so out of it. It was great. He played uh, a great, um, he played a great con- concussed or, or out of it uh, person. So. Yeah, and, that, and then they kind of, drew the point uh, home that oh he illegitimately lost like he didn't get pinned Mm -hmm. he didn't submit so they kind of they try to cover it's almost like they had him lose and then immediately regretted it (laughs) so they kind of tried to like (laughs) gain his heat moment back so yeah they walked it back pretty fast i mean i was super excited to see because i was like blown away at at this stage going holy shit this guy looks amazing he was my favorite wrestler for about a year until they beat that enjoyment out of me by just getting him to sort of do these stupid feuds and, and losses and stuff to like Triple H and stuff. Um, we did get one infamous moment that lives forever and ever and ever. Um, and that is uh, when Taz comes out, we get the, uh, the the JR call where he goes, It's Taz! Which is in every botchamania <laughs> from yeah. <laughs> so at least I, we get I that. recognized it right away. Yeah, we get that at least. So that was very very nice. Um, just so, starry. Uh, we got to do the. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The rating. Go for um, it. I have to give. I have to give us two and a half for average. Yeah, I give it the same now, as well. I, I, it's one, it's one of those things where as a whole segment, it's better than the actual match. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. It's and. You know, Taz looks like a million dollars here at the start, so it's nice to see that at least. This would be definitely his peak, and then there was a, mm-hmm. a very deep valley afterwards. So, to the back. Well, perhaps Kurt Angle won't be the only superstar helped out of Madison Square Garden tonight. I'm with the Hardy Boys and Terry Runnels, and of course, the Hardys get set to take on the Dudleys in the first ever tag team 
table match here tonight. Let's take a look at how this rivalry started back this past week on Raw. It was the Dudleys and the uh, Hardys going at it when the Dudley boys drove the Hardys through tables in the middle of the ring, but it didn't stop there. The Hardys got some revenge on SmackDown this past Thursday night. Check out Matt Hardy from the stage over 10 feet to the ground through a table through Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley. Are you guys ready for what should be or what could be a war tonight in Madison Square Garden? Michael, we are gonna go out there and tear the roof off of Madison Square Garden. Terry, I no! You think we're gonna let you go out there tonight? Do you realize how violent this is gonna be? No. Everyone knows the Dudleys are extreme. Everyone knows the Dudleys are the master of putting people through tables. We weren't even supposed to be in the WWF, but we are. And tonight, we're gonna put the Dudleys through tables, or we're gonna die trying. Michael Cole is backstage with Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys, with Terry. Uh, the Hardys had recently won a tournament hosted by Terry called the Terry Invitational Tournament, um, winning her services, or uh, you could abbreviate that down to TIT. Um, <laughs> obviously invented by, <laughs> by Vince McMahon or somebody like that. Um, yeah. And they are taking on the Dudley Boys tonight <laughs> after a... a uh, a short war with them on SmackDown. Um, Michael basically goes to put the mic in front of Jeff, who stares blankly away from him, doesn't look at the mic, doesn't look at Michael. So Terry tells us that they're going to tear the roof off Madison Square Garden tonight before Jeff interrupts really like a robot, like robot Jeff basically turns and says, Terry, no. And they they won't let her go, go out in case she gets hurt. And then we get another no by Jeff Hardy. And I was like, holy shit, the state of his acting. It's amazing. Um, this, we said it, I think it was like uh, the Armageddon 2007 show. This lad, oh, yeah. this, this lad cannot cut a promo to save his life. Uh, even in 2007 and back in the year 2000, he wasn't doing much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say this, they just started out, but you're right. Seven years later, no improvement. And 20 years later, no improvement. <laughs> no. It's, uh, he, he should be the, the silent enigma, um, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, Matt does say some words here, and King and JR basically just queue up the match. So we get the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys in the first ever tag team table match in yeah, WWF. That kind of surprised me because I was like, wow, it took them this long to to have a first ever tables match that's mm -hmm. pretty crazy and this would not be the last obviously they would uh, nah. they showed a little brief a, a spark of brilliance here and Vince was just like get the tables out get the ladders out pal and they would have many well, more were, of this. were there ever were there ever table matches in ECW or they just used tables those weapons and um, they didn't have the rules I think there was table matches, yeah. I think table matches had been around for a while at that stage and mm. possibly pioneered by uh, ECW or at least, you know, maybe in Japan somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We get the first iteration of the Dudley Boys music, which is my favourite. I think it's the best. Um, and Bubba grabs the mic, still doing his... Uh, he's still doing this stuttering gimmick at the time, uh, which Vince gave him, which was very nice. Um, and he runs down the New, New York and those pretty boy punks, the Hardys. Um, he also mentions someone called John Rocker. And I was like, ooh, who's this? 
Uh, and I, that, I had no idea. <laughs> he's his new favourite baseball player and that New York should elect him mayor. And I was like, oh, what's this about then? So I went online and had a wee look. Um, John Rocker was a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves at this time and had some choice words when asked by Sports Illustrated in a story published in December 27th of 1999. So only a few weeks back, really, or you know, a month back. Uh, where Rocker made a number of allegations stemming from his ex- experiences in New York City and answering a question about whether he would ever play for the New York Yankees or the New York Mets, uh, where he basically much he just pretty much slandered homosexuals for having AIDS. Um, not a specific one, just all of them. Um, he called New York, uh, he basically said that New York was like going through Beirut, and that there were too many foreigners questioning how they got into the United States to name but a few not-so-classy lines that he had to say here. You can look it up online. It's pretty disgusting what the guy actually said. Um, He still seemingly invites controversy and general shittiness wherever he goes, so he is very much uh, of a certain demographic at the moment. So uh, he fits right in. So you're telling me if he ran for office in America today, he would actually have a lot of success? He would be warmly (laughs) hugged by a certain ex-president, yes. He would be very much a a, a main faction of his his presidential team, I would say, yes. (laughs) Okay. So top heel work by Bubba then, picking out this racist racist character. It Uh, it makes sense now then, yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, it was uh, kind of amazing that he was saying all of this in front of Teddy Long, but uh, because the fella was quite racist, I have to say, in some of his comments he made. Uh, the Dudleys immediately attack the Hardy Boys who come out and Bubba, Bubba bombs Jeff in the middle of the ring. Uh, Matt saves Jeff and Jeff flies over the top rope onto Bubba. Um, Bubba gets a chair shot to the head by Jeff and Jeff attempts his run along the black ring fence um, and <laughs> is three for three uh, as Bubba sends a table into him but gets hit as it rebounds but- off Jeff. <laughs> But at least he didn't slip this time. He didn't. He just never got to complete the finish. Um, so when I when I saw the look on his face, I was like, "Oh no, he's going for it again." <laughs> and then he did it, and I was like, "Yeah, he did it." Even though he got hit in the face, but at least he didn't slip. <laughs> he didn't slip. This is three for three. We have yet to see Jeff Hardy secure any valid move off of the, the, the <laughs> off of the I, barricade. I think he's like. I think he's like 3,000 for 3,000 at this point. I don't think he's ever landed that move. It's pulled out all the time. It's sort of like Ric Flair going it's up like, to the top yeah, rope. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> or a jumping nothing. It's going to happen and no- nothing ever happens out of it. So, uh, Matt pulls out a ladder and both he and Jeff clean house with the ladder. On the outside, Matt sets up a table and sets Bubba on it with the ladder. Devon tries to make the save but gets pushed into a fan off the ladder. Matt leg drops onto Bubba while Jeff comes out of shot with a dive which looked amazing. He just came over oh, the yeah. cameraman. He came out of nowhere. It's like a surprise splash. Uh, Devon takes a calamitous chair shot and the lads build a weird table contraption. And two tables, one's leant up against the barricade. Yeah. And one of the security guards helps them do it. Yeah, I'm never a fan of these contraptions whenever somebody tries to build something like Kevin Owens builds his tower of chairs or a a tower of ladders or a tower of whatever. It's just a bit contrived. I don't mind them doing it. I just find it silly when, like, the the staff of of the arena, like, tries to help them. Obviously, to, like, save time and to make sure it's safe, but it just... 
It just looks silly. I think it's just a bit daft because the other person has to lie there and just pretend that nothing's happening. Um, so it takes me yeah. out of the match a little bit when it takes too long. Um, but we did get a good answer for this and a good uh, a good sort of finish because, you know, the rule is that when you set a table up, it, you will usually be the one to go through it. So, And we very much get that. Um, Devon set up, uh, but he ducks out of the way as Matt leg drops himself through the table off the top rope to the outside. So it was a big crash. And then Jeff tries to catch Devon as he's running away from the, the table uh, by flying through the ropes and then just crashes and looks like he dies uh, by going through the table himself. And JR and King make the po- this point like 20 times. They say, if you go through the table on your own, that doesn't count. Yes. Your opponent has to put you through the table. So keep that in mind in a few moments. Okay. Um, Bubba comes back he's he's out of the the match technically but obviously it's a no dq match so he comes back and devon and him destroy matt with a power bomb through a table propped up on the steps in the ring so so this is what i'm talking about bubba put was it matt or jeff matt he put matt through the table but bubba is not in the match so this mm-hmm. should not count <clears throat> well right? spotted should, yes yeah so <laughs> i'm writing a complaint yes i think you should <laughs> write it to uh, to, to, to the king um, back on the outside, Matt takes a brutal chair shot while Bubba sets up a double-decker table under an entrance door to the arena. Not the entrance they came through, but a different one on the opposite side, must be. Uh, Bubba trails Jeff up above the door onto a balcony above the tables, but gets a chair shot from Jeff, with Bubba free-falling backwards relatively blindly through the tables, sort of like a trust fall that Kofi Kingston would do. It was very impressive. Like It was really good. Um, it looked, but it did look super safe because it was a double stack of tables. So it was a very sort of short, safe, slow descend on the tables, um, which cushioned his momentum. So I thought it was a great spot, though. Um, and then Devon set up on another table immediately beside him, uh, beside Bubba, and Jeff Swanton bombs off of the top in an incredible moment and pop to win the match at the 10 minutes and 17 seconds mark. Um, I thought it was an incredible match. It was iconic, and it would lead to even higher moments uh, on the totem pole, and this is just the start of things. So it's an incredible moment, I think, for the two teams. They got to show a lot off here, um, and we would get even better matches out of this. What did you think? So as I finished taking notes for this match, I realized that this match alone filled out the complete list of nominees for the Joey Styles Award, (laughs) (laughs) which was five. we do five nominees. And then we have another crazy match coming up. So I was like, wow, we're going to have a lot of nominees for, for this Joey Styles Award on this show. Um, I really enjoyed this match, especially considering it was the first of its kind. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, this was this reminded me of that Survivor Series match because half of the participants were the same. Uh-huh. Uh, that table match. And um, actually, I enjoyed this a little bit better, I think. The chair shots to the head were... Uh, I got a headache from watching that. That's just so bad. Yeah, there's They're quite so... a few on tonight's show. I have to say. Yeah, it was hard to watch. So, uh, but besides that, I love. I always love table spots. I love uh, jumping off things spots of of high structures. Uh, by the way, I'm looking forward to that Cody versus Sammy Guevara ladder match tonight. I don't know why I yeah. said that, but it just reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, because uh, I'm sure. Uh, Sammy will probably jump off of something. Uh, but anyways, I really enjoyed this. Um, 
I thought it was funny because JR kept messing up uh, Jeff's and Matt's names. He kept mixing, he kept calling Matt Jeff and he kept calling Jeff Matt. Uh-huh. And I always tell people like this is mixing up names is nothing new for JR. He's been doing this for years, like even back in his prime. Uh, this was an example of that. And then I wrote down, of course, Teddy Long is the ref for the tag team match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's kind of like. Um... It's kind of amazing seeing the Hardys here because in Madison Square Garden, because I believe it was like the 94 or 95 King of the Ring, that they were the door, they were the guys getting the doors for like uh, Mabel, you know, they, they were dressed up in like the sort of court jester outfits. And then they would be the ones that they, like, I think they were like 16 or 17, opening the mm-hmm. doors for the wrestlers to come out. And then here they are in the same arena in Madison Square Garden, sort of having a match. So I thought it was kind of nice. Yeah. And they, they used to wear these funny outfits. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, the Young Bucks tri- tribute a lot of their some of their outfits to like really, really early rookie Hardy Boys. Yeah. With like, the tights and, and the fuzzy uh, boots and all that. Yeah. They had some pretty. 90s outfits i'll say um matt i think his first match on wwf television was against razor ramon uh where he just basically Mm -hmm. gets destroyed in a couple of seconds but it's kind of amazing seeing this young matt hardy with like short hair and a rat tail at the back like was which was oh yeah Uh, he was only like 16 or 17 he was yeah it was really really wild seeing it so it's awesome to see them here what did you rate the match out of out of five I gave this a pretty high. I gave this a four. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, four out of five. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I went four out of five as well. I thought that... Um, oh, you gave it a five? No, four, four out of five. I thought. Oh, it was, okay. I think when you look at the context of the match and just how important it is for the two teams' careers, um, I think when you sort of know that it's the first tables match, I think you do have to elevate it slightly because they were pioneering a style that just wasn't done in the WWF at the time. Uh, but they would rely on it quite heavily over the next couple of years and into the future so yeah i don't know if that was a good thing that them introducing this new violent style of uh, matches but uh, yeah. great to see i'm amazed that all four of these well i guess devon is not wrestling anymore mm. but all three out of the four guys are still going pretty strong to this day so which is incredible yeah definitely yeah i know jeff's taking a bit of a hiatus at the moment um but i would imagine that some stage we'll probably see him in aew making a little cameo perhaps so uh, that'll be interesting to see what he does there hopefully no willow though yeah. from tna he can keep he can oh, keep man. that I was, I was gonna say i'm pretty sure he's gonna bring willow in there i don't know how i feel I just, about that i don't know i think he should burn that costume because uh if he loses it he might find it again uh to the back okay don't look at the light what happened did I win? I don't know. All I, all I know is Did that I you, win? No, all I know is that you were choked unconscious, and they Choke. called us in to get you. That's illegal. They're I not allowed to do that. I don't know about that, but you look a little I'm, I'm undefeated, though. Did I, did I win? I don't know. All I know is that you were choked unconscious. That's what we're here to help you out. Listen, you look a little, little unsteady. Why don't you come well, over and sit choked, back down? If you choke me, I, I'm undefeated. I, well, I don't know. I'll tell you what, Angles, he's got choked out. He doesn't even... Not even aware if he won or lost. Well, he was uh, competent enough to realize that if he got choked out, that he's still undefeated. And that's the truth, Jerry. You gotta, you gotta admit. 
Well, Choking somebody out is illegal. A referee raised Taz's hand, so officially, King, it's going to go down as a victory for Taz, controversial or not. No, I, I say that Kurt Angle is still undefeated. Well, he certainly hasn't been pinned. I'll agree with you on that. Backstage, a medic is checking on a bleary-eyed Kurt Angle, as we mentioned. Um, he argues that he was uh, choked out, so it didn't count, and it was a legal move. And as we said, eventually it would get overturned. Uh-huh. Back to ringside for generic 2000s dance music for the Miss Rumble 2000 <laughs> contest. I label this as the mandatory Vince McMahon masturbation segment. <laughs> this is wild. This is, uh, this is something else. Uh, you have to sort of see it to believe it. I didn't remember this at all. Obviously, I watched this pay-per-view back in the day in the year 2000. And then this, and I, and I had no recollection, even when the music, the sort of punky, you know, metal, generic, sort of hard rock and music hit, I was like, "What is going on here?" And then when Sergeant Slaughter came out, it dawned on me what this was, and I knew exactly the segment, and I knew what was going to happen. So we get Sergeant Slaughter, Tony Gurria, who used to be a tag team champion at one stage, I believe. The fabulous sex trafficking Mula. Um, please check out Dark Side of the Ring for her episode. <laughs> oh, the, the, she must have loved this segment then. <laughs> um, but she did, uh, in, a, in a sort of turnabout way, she gets assaulted by a fan who grabs her and stick, tries to stick the lips on her. Um, oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, just by ringside. It was. Uh, I, I think she ended up do, did giving him a bit of a kiss, which was kind of creepy. Um, and then we get Johnny Valiant and uh, Freddie Blassie. And, of course, who else but the king is our pervert master of ceremonies uh, and he's jumping for joy in the ring. And our participants we get are Ivory, Terry, Jacqueline, a.k.a. Miss Jackie, which is, a, I think, a favourite of ours on the show. We've had her on three times now. She's surprisingly consistent, yeah. She is. She's just game for everything. I was kind of, like, my, my, sort of, my heart was warming to Jackie. I was sort of glad to see her here, even though it's the most ridiculous and horrifying, degrading experience I'm sure she's probably ever done. Um, we get BB, a.k.a. Barbara Bush, who looked very sleepy. Never heard of her. She, she looked like she was about to fall asleep coming out here. She was so tired. Um... <laughs> We had Luna Vachon, who doesn't even get an introduction. She just walks out snarling and scowling. And again, I will say, there is an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. You have to watch it, because this is actually brought up in Dark Side of the Ring, where they describe... Uh, I've, a- oh, I've actually seen all the episodes, but that particular one, for some reason, was not on Hulu. And I do want to see it, so i got to check back and maybe check it's it out. there. It's... So. it's- yeah very depressing um as with as is most dark side of the ring episodes but this one particularly because man it's just sad like seeing luna fashion who just wanted to be a wrestler and ivory as well doing this this gimmick and you could tell luna wasn't into it she didn't even participate after coming out but and last week lastly we get the cat who basically king backflips over not just verbally not literally he can do a back backflip to save his life um (laughs) And then we get Andy Richter from the Conan O'Brien show is announced as a special celebrity uh, judge. They also mentioned like at one stage Blondie was in the audience as well, Debbie Harry, um, which is kind of strange, but uh, they never cut to her. Uh, I'm not going to recap this segment, uh, but essentially some of the women, such as Ivory and Luna, do not want to be in this. And it's very uncomfortable to see them. They don't want to be in this at all. Um, even BB I think was kind of uncomfortable too she didn't look like she was really enjoying this it's just putting out women honestly the only woman who 
actually like embraced it and i'm sure she didn't want to do this either but she just probably said fuck it might as well make the best out of it was jackie because yes she took off her clothes and she like started twerking and doing all this stuff and i'm like <laughs> she turned the segment into a strip club is what i will say <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was yeah, so, so game it, for this it was unbelievable yeah so i don't think she wanted to do this but mm. she just said you know what i might as well make the best of it yeah, I, I have to applaud her. So. I mean, she made the best of that di- disco segment. She made the best out of the James Storm match that we reviewed. So it's sad to see, yeah. but this is the uh, this is this is it, folks, isn't it? Uh, year two thousand. Um, before the judges and obviously cat the cat as well was game for it. She turns up in a uh, basically the the women to describe it are in bikinis and they do a couple of turns. Apart from Jackie, who takes it to the next level, and Cat is in yeah. a. Uh, what do you call that stuff? The bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. She's got a bubble wrap bikini. Um, yeah, and the king was going, "Let me pop it. Let me pop it." It's so <laughs> creepy. He he would obviously, I think, be married there not long after this. It's just uh, they were, so I creepy. I think they were dating. They were dating uh, later on, and then they both quit. Yes, after she got fired. Up. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, but before the judges can tally the votes to see who won in this really fair democratic uh, showing, um, May Young makes her way out and enters herself into the mix. She does a she does a couple of hip thrusts and then basically flashes herself to the crowd, um, which go wild. <laughs> and Mark Henry saves us all. I will say this. <clears throat> I saw this live on pay-per-view, and I can confirm that they did not censor it live. Mae Young did indeed. Oh, really? <laughs> she did indeed flash her uh, her, her curtains, uh, <laughs> and it was horrific. Uh, but she was so happy, and she was another one that was really up for this. Uh, <laughs> the judges vote that Mae, Mae Young wins, and I will say she did deserve it. She looked like she was having a great old time. Um, but this segment was 15 roughly 15 minutes long and i it took me two sessions to get through this pay-per-view i turned the pay-per-view off after this i just thought that's enough wrestling for one night (laughs) what did you think of this segment is it worth even talking about (sighs) just to be say something positive about it is at least none of these women got beat up so I'll say that yes that is true (laughs) because if if this was ECW they would have viscera or somebody come out and slow and drop each and every one of them for no reason or Bubba Ray at the time would have powerbombed them for a table or two Um, as a heterosexual 31 year old man I still don't like this (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and not just it's not even the degrading thing. It's just like this is just stupid. Like what's the point of this? Like I'm watching wrestling. I just saw an amazing debut. I saw a crazy hardcore uh, wrestling match and now you're giving me this. Like why? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me and uh yeah, it's just uncomfortable watching these women do stuff that they don't want to do and why not give, like, 15 minutes? You could do two women's matches. They would be short, but... Or you can do, like, a a six-woman tag match. Mm-hmm. Or do something like that. And, uh, yeah, this is just stupid. And, like, w- just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, Mae Young came out. I'm sorry. Respect for whatever you want to respect her for, but I do not want to see that. <laughs> Jameson, I don't want to see that. 
this is how you turn a, a one star segment into a zero star segment is bring Mae Young out and I think the only person I was truly entertained by this was Vince I could just imagine him laughing his ass off backstage oh this with, is with his dick yeah. in his hand probably this was a this was for an audience of one uh, essentially yeah uh, but this was the style at the time obviously you know we would get um in a couple of years time we would get uh coachman um doing the sort of commentary for the Miller catfight girls against Tori and Stacy I think so this would last for years and this would only yeah, lead they really... did the brawn panties matches yeah there was there was only a handful of women that were really respected yeah, and it took them years as well like Lita Trish Stratus and China really and then Ivory as well to a certain degree obviously I, I think Ivory was the previous just she she was just the women's champion or something I'm not sure but it was, this was a mess I'm not sure it was it was grim but this was the style at the time this was acceptable in the 2000s shall we say but not acceptable but I gotta now. I gotta ask you though you don't have to answer it but who got your who has your vote <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Miss Jackie I think that Jackie had a lot of fun doing it she didn't give two shits and she did it and you know she looked great, and yeah, I, what else can you say? I, about I agree. It? Yeah, she she put a little sexiness I th- to it. I so. think she's a favorite of ours. I I would say she's. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. I'm sort of. Uh, I I like Jackie just because we've seen her doing some daft spots and some wrestling, and she always has a bit of fun. So there you go. Yeah, I, I, my vote was Jackie also. To the back, no wit, to the WWF restaurant in Times Square, New York, where Jonathan Coachman is getting absolutely mobbed by drunk lads. <laughs> Jonathan Coachman with hair. Yes, this is uh, this is wild. This is the WWF New York, which I think we briefly mentioned before, which was their failed restaurant that they let somebody run into the ground for them. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, it was grim. They didn't surprisingly. I was listening to a podcast from Matt Cardona and Brian Myers a while, a while ago. The uh, rest, the major wrestling figure podcast and they were describing that they were in it one time or at least um Matt Cardona was he got taken out for for lunch by his parents one time and he said this is the this seems to be the most basic stupid thing that they never did the menu wasn't wrestler themed like the burgers weren't called stupid names like a slobber knocker burger you didn't have like you know i don't know like mankind milkshakes you didn't have anything like that it was just it was like apparently really high fine dining in a grotty wrestling themed pub um just completely missed the mark uh but yeah uh on the on the other side though uh, WCW had the Nitro Grill in Vegas, mm-hmm. and they did have those silly burger names. I don't remember any of the specific ones, but oh. they all had like ridiculous. Uh, there's actually a, a a picture of a menu somewhere on Google, uh-huh. which will uh, I'll find eventually, and uh, it's pretty interesting to look at. Yeah, it's... sadly that restaurant came when WCW was dying, so oh, it shame. didn't last very long. Shame. Uh, yeah, it came out like it opened like in the late 99 i think okay so it follows a great successful string of wrestling themed uh like restaurants because obviously we had uh hulk hogan's pasta mania i don't know if you have ever heard this um and he would have like uh how was it called it was like a ripper or something it was just these ridiculous names that he had for pasta imagine like a fast food pasta restaurant this guy thought that this was a great idea (laughs) like 
who, who the fuck is going to want fast food pasta? Just weird. Like a salad bar, essentially. Uh, anyway, we get an actual... To the back. China, relax. All I want you to do is snap my belt around my waist so I can wear it out to the range. Well, why don't you be chivalrous for once in your life and let me wear the belt for a Chivalrous? Chance. What do you think? This is medieval times? Oh, no, but at least you could be a gentleman. I want to take my gentleman. You're up next. Let me Dave, settle, settle this. this. Take it to the ring. And when you guys get there, we'll find out who is the undisputed intercontinental champion, okay? Earl, come on. Dave. Oh, look what you did now, Chris. Thanks a lot. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Listen, we're on next in about 10 minutes. I'll have the belt around my waist for real anyway. So all this... Yeah, we'll we'll see about that. I should have it around my waist now, but I can't do that either. Jericho and China. They're backstage arguing about who gets to wear the WWF Intercontinental Championship to their triple threat match tonight, with the two being joint champions. They bicker for a bit before Earl slash Dave takes the belt away, and we cut to ringside after a quick don't try this at home PSA. But what's this about? Uh, well, just a quick synopsis then of the feud, shall we say. China and Jericho have been feuding over the Intercontinental Championship alongside Bob Holly for some time. After China defeated Jeff Jarrett to win the title at No Mercy in October of 1999, a.k.a. Jeff Jarrett's uh, payday and leaving do, uh, shall we say. He made out like <laughs> a thief at that, uh, that event. Um, Jericho began challenging her for it. After coming up short at Survivor Series of uh, that year, 1999, Jericho thrown China at Armageddon, and China then began randomly assisting Jericho in his title defenses, claiming that she wanted to ensure he remained champion so she could take the title back from him. On the December 30th edition of SmackDown, China and Jericho wrestled a match that ended in a double pin, and instead, for some reason, declaring the match a draw and keeping the belt with Jericho. Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley declared Jericho and China to be co-intercontinental champions, and this meant that both China and Jericho would have to defend the belt, albeit separately, and if one of them lost the title of defence, both of them lost the title. So, since neither... sounds so complicated. (laughs) Complete. It sounds Russo-level. A little bit better structured than Russo-level, but it's still close to Russo-level. Um, so yeah, since neither China nor Jericho wanted to be the one to lose the title, both wrestlers basically began interfering in each other's matches to make sure the other one held on to the, the championship until a match to settle the dispute could be signed. And this ended up drawing Hardcore Holly back into the mix as he challenged both wrestlers for the title only to come up short each time. And Holly eventually challenged the co-champions to a match at Royal Rumble and a triple threat title match was signed. And there you have it. The triple threat match between Hardcore Holly, China, and Chris Jericho tonight for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, we get Hardcore Holly out Hardcore Holly out first after an odd delay, which took a wee while. Um, and the big charisma vacuum that he is makes his way to the ring. Um, Jericho is out following China to a huge pop he gets. Um, however, he has the most ridiculous facial hair I think I've ever seen him have it's like yeah, it a handlebar mustache drawn on yeah and it was like really dark brown and his hair is like almost bleach blonde it's it, really weird it's so weird uh, yeah <laughs> and uh, JR um, oh he cuts a he cuts a promo as well Jericho cuts a promo it has all of the usual relish for the day you will never ever and all that sort of nonsense um, and JR puts China over massively by saying that she is one of the most groundbreaking females ever to work. So it's weird that we've got in one segment 
the bikini Miss Rumble contest, and then in another yeah. one we've got China, and she's being lauded as like the greatest professional wrestler to ever walk this face of the earth. It's so weird. Um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I thought so too. She was basically treated like a man. She was, yes. Um, yeah. And Holly ignores China, but well, he basically pushes her aside and then says that he wants to wrestle Jericho. So it's sort of like you know he's the chauvinistic one here. Um, yeah. Holly gets a round of slaps from both uh, Ch- Jericho and China before. China gets sent over the ropes. Um, Jericho and Holly work each other over before Wall's attempt that's broken up by China with a weak clothesline to massive boos. Uh, everyone was pretty much behind Jericho in this one. Um, China mm-hmm. works Chris over after chucking Holly out. Holly takes a dive from Jericho from the top to the outside, and then he it sort of breaks into a bit of a mess uh, between the three here. It's always quite hard to call these uh, these three way matches, but. Um, Holly grabs a chair and goes to hit China, but Chris interferes. There's a flying splashes by both Y2J and China in the ring uh, to Holly for a double pin. The two argue, and then Chris gets low blowed after China escapes over the top from a slam. Um, superplexed by China, but Holly basically no sells it by trying to pin China out of it, and then he immediately yeah, stands weird. up. He just stands straight up, and I could tell that this is Bob Holly's personal opinions coming out here and just being unprofessional I thought um, because there's yeah. a few he just didn't want to be in the ring with China I guess he thought that a man shouldn't be wrestling a woman I'm not too sure but China looked every bit the stature that he looked so it was kind of weird yeah I, Bob Holly I, I, I don't want to judge a person but he strikes me as one of those types of people <laughs> one of those truck driving gun toting uh Stuck in their way. Misogynistic yeah. types of guys. And by the way, w- what I read, he was actually dating BB, which we had in a previous segment. Oh. But he he was married to someone else while dating her. So mm. goes to show what kind of guy he was. How do you do that? I don't know. Um <laughs> But uh, well, you're on the, you're on the you're away from home most of the year, so I guess you live a double life like that. I know, but you can see the state of Bob Holly. I don't know how he uh, <laughs> he managed to pull any woman, but there you go. Um, the referee is distracted by Jericho on the outside. Um, China basically apl- applies the walls of Jericho to Holly, but is saved by a, uh, well, Holly's saved by a face buster uh, from. Uh, Chris to China. There's a lion salt and pin by Chris to China for the win in seven minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, what did you think of this match? Well, I I take notes, and when I finished this, watching this match, I realized I had absolutely no notes on this match because like nothing noteworthy happened. Mm. It was just like really sloppy, and just I don't know. I wasn't feeling this match. Um, I don't even have much to say about it. I guess uh, my my score for it is about a a two and i think i'm being generous mm-hmm. maybe so yeah i'm gonna go with a two out of five okay <clears throat> i give it a two two point seven five um it was good work rate um but something was off and i think that the thing that really bothered me was just holly no selling like the superplex it just soured me um china's strikes were also really weak like she just wasn't letting yeah. it in i think she could have been a bit more rougher with the lads uh, that might have persuaded holly to sell it a little bit more um and i think but just overall i think the match didn't outstay its welcome it was relatively short so yeah i guess that's a good thing about it is that it was short uh one thing i want to say i was reading about it last night and it said and it said that jericho was like forgetting some of the spots during the match hmm. even though he was like the the ring leader <clears throat> those of you who don't know usually in wrestling one of the guys is kind of 
the leading and telling the other what to do and stuff like that. And Jericho uh, was the the one in this match doing that. But I read that he forgot like one or two spots, and Holly Bob Holly had to like yell at him mm-hmm. to tell him what to do. So mm. I don't know. Something was just not mixing well that night for these guys. Yeah, they wouldn't uh, revisit too many times. I don't think this this China taking on the sort of men. I think it would swiftly move back to sort of going for the women's championship against Ivory at some stage soon. So to the back. Rock. Tonight, you and 29 other guys are going to go into that match. Finally, The Rock has come back to New York City. Rock, tonight you and 29 other superstars will be in that ring for the Royal Rumble match, and you have a bullseye on your chest. Is there any superstar who you may be concerned with? Well, The Rock says this. There are two WWF superstars who The Rock has a concern with. There are two who might give The Rock problems. Number one is going to be Crash Holly. Number two is going to be Headbanger Mosh. And The Rock says if he could get by those two, then he might have a shot at winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, Rock, with, uh, with all due respect, shouldn't he be a little more concerned with, say, the Big Show? Well, The Rock says this. You should be concerned with fixing yourself a nice tall glass of shut up juice. Fix it. The Rock says this, Big Show, do you actually think that you're going to win the Royal Rumble? Do you actually think that you're going to take the great one and throw him over the top rope? Do you actually think that you're going on to WrestleMania and becoming the WWF champion? Well, The Rock says this, he wipes a monkey's ass with what you think. Big Show, The Rock says this, He's going to go out there in the middle of the people's ring. Royal Rumble. The Rock's music is going to hit. If you smell and 20,000 Rock fans all stand on their feet, goosebumps on their arm, electricity going through their body. The Rock says this, as God, as the Rock's witness, he hopes, he prays that you, Big Show, and The Rock are the last two in the ring. So The Rock thinks, no, he knows, no. The Rock guarantees to win the Royal Rumble right here in New York City. Man, that is a huge guarantee, King. Wow. They smell what The Rock's cooking out there. And The Rock says this, Big Show, just as sure as The Rock is without a shadow of a doubt, the best there ever was, The Rock says, as sure as The Rock has the Brahma Bull tattooed on his arm, is as sure as The Rock is going to WrestleMania and becoming, without a shadow of a doubt, the best damn WWF champion there ever was. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Michael Cole is with The Rock, who interrupts Cole delivering his finally promo. Um, he says that he's concerned with two people in the Rumble, Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh. And if he can get past them, he'll be doing well and should win the Rumble. Uh, he tells Michael to get himself a glass of shut-up juice after Cole brings up Big Show and hypes the crowd up for the Rumble. And he finishes with his If You Smell catchphrase. Just awesome, classic rock here. He's wearing some kind of weird, yeah. like, uh, I don't know, like a American football top, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, it's a football jersey. <clears throat> but there you go. And, and but he's still wearing his trunks, so like it looks like he has no pants on at all because the football jersey just slightly hovers <laughs> over his trunks. It's a it is a weird one. Yeah, it's not a weird. It's just a weird look. Uh, normal clothes with wrestling clothes don't mix. Um, yeah. We get a promo package for the New Age Outlaws versus the Acolytes, a sped up video at like, I don't know, five times the speed, giving us <laughs> a really... This was like ECW <laughs> levels of amateur. This, is, this was uh, the weakest promo package, I think, on the show, and also probably the weakest match. Um, it just gives us a really quick rundown of the feud so far while generic heavy metal plays, and... It's and the, the entire package is of them just doing moves to each other, but it's like at probably like five times speed. So like you know, like you're using a video editor for the first time ever, yes. and you find this speed up button, and you're like, "Ooh, I wonder what this is gonna do." Or like you go to YouTube and you crank the speed up just to like shits and giggles. Yeah, this is what they did basically. Yeah, I I won't spend too much time on this match. Uh, this is I thought this would be a big match. Obviously, I couldn't remember it. It's only like a two minute match. It is, yeah. It's New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and Road Dog versus the Acolytes, Fruk and Bradshaw for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Um, Road Dog comes out, does his usual mic work to introduce himself as the crowd goes wild, and then the Acolytes basically run out and waste no time baiting the lads um, <laughs> into the ring. So, how, how about Billy Gunn's outfit? Once again, he's with the with this strange. Uh, almost homosexual type of outfit where you can completely see his thong t- through his shorts. <clears throat> yeah, this is... Uh, I mean, this is Billy Gunn's Mr. Ass character and he would focus a lot on his ass. Um, we have discussed, and I have broken down in the past, uh, I don't know if you remember, the Mr. G- Mr. Ass theme song. Um, we will, of course, have that episode back up online at some stage, I'm sure, where we can relive the memories of... Uh, those horrific lines that are part of his theme music, quite possibly one of the worst theme music in the world. But it was a fun, popular character at the time, I will say. He was well-liked. It's catchy, though. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, lots of big lad moves from Bradshaw and Furrick. Bradshaw interrupts Road Dog's offense and delivers a clothesline from hell to Billy Gunn, sending him into orbit. Um, the referee is then quickly knocked out. X-Pac runs in, interrupts... Um, Billy Gunn delivers a fame master to Bradshaw for the win in 2 minutes and 35 seconds. I'll just say it now. 1 out of, one out of 5. Not even. It, would, it'd be, it'd be, it should be really 0. Um, it's complete bollocks. Uh, it was the type of... It was the typical, you know, DX match at the time. Somebody would interrupt and cause them to, to win or d- get DQ'd. Just, just bollocks. I wasn't a fan of this iteration of DX. Even think? though this was only like two and a half minutes long, this was still a complete waste of time. Yeah. Uh, these guys should have just had. They, they should have saved the shenanigans for a SmackDown or something. They they should have put on a decent match at a pay per view. Um, the finish was stupid. Uh, the the APA were about to win, but Billy Gunn pulls the ref out of the ring, and of course, for some reason, it's not a DQ, so the match keeps going, and then. Uh, that's when Xbox interfered because the ref was not looking, and it's just—it's stupid. I give this a one, also. Yeah, it was—it uh, was bad. Anyway, moving on. Thankfully, we've reached the bottom of the of this roller coaster. We're going back up. We are indeed. Yeah, <laughs> to the back. The title will be decided for Big Show. What a fan against Triple H. Big Show just caught Trible H. Oh, low blow! There was a low blow by Triple H, and now the pedigree. The pedigree. He got it. He got it. Triple H has won the World Wrestling 
the McMahon Helmsley era is running the show. I'm here tonight to tell you flat out that I think the McMahon Helmsley era kind of sucks. Oh, look out! Triple Get H, DX, they're all over mankind. That's what he deserved. He brought it on himself. Nick, you're fired. He is fired. You're out of here. You're history. And thanks to the McMahon Helmsley era, mankind is fired. I just think that it's damn pretentious of Triple H and Stephanie to just finish a career because they personally get off on playing with people's lives, playing with their dreams and their emotions, and in this case, with, with their families. You're the most pathetic person I have ever met in my life. That's not Mick Foley. I've been pathetic for my whole life, especially over the last couple weeks. I can get hit in the head 37 times with a chair and not have any... not, not have any... Not have any damage. You stank. Stank. You stank in the joint up. Triple H and Stephanie, if you do not meet our demands, we've got every single superstar ready to walk out on your candy asses. You will reinstate Mick Foley now. Mick Foley's back. You want me at the garden? You want me at the rumble? You're damn right I want your ass at the rumble. You got it. Mankind and Triple H back in the ring. The two men that will meet for the richest prize in the game at the Royal Rumble. Triple H's got that bell. Got the bell. He's got the bell. Oh, did you hear that? One right here. No. Oh, my God. Triple H just penetrated Mick Foley right there at our table to the concrete. Unbelievable. Triple H is the game he proved it. Tonight he'll prove it at the Rumble. After the beating you gave me on Monday night, one thing mankind is not is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. But I think the WWF fans deserve a substitute in that match. I think you know the guy. His name is Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack is back. Drastic time. Call for drastic measures. Triple H forced Mick Foley to metamorphosize into Cactus Jack. This guy's so There's a video package showing Triple H beating Big Show for the WWF Heavyweight Championship and Mankind telling Triple H that the Mankind or the McMahon Helmsley era that they suck. Uh, this is obviously as uh, Vince had been, uh, he'd left WWF at the time, you know, he had, uh, his daughter had married Triple H and he was affronted by this and... So basically, Stephanie became the sort of uh, ad hoc ruler of the WWF at the time. So she was making up her own rules, essentially. Uh, mm -hmm. They fire Mick and lambast a fake mankind in the ring over the weeks uh, before the Royal Rumble. Um, the Rock comes out and basically defends Mick Foley and says that all of the wrestlers are united. They're going to walk out unless they rehire Mick Foley. Um, and he gets a championship shot at the Royal Rumble. Um 
leading up to this, mankind gets destroyed, um, and Mick says, um, quite rightly, in front of Triple H, as Triple H says, you can't win, you can't beat me, he says, you're right, I can't beat you, but there's one man that can, and that is Cactus Jack. This is a 10 out of 10 promo, the music, the clips, was, everything's awesome. This was great, especially compared to that APA promo mm. just a few minutes earlier. Like, this whole little package, how long was that? I don't know, a minute, two two minutes, yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah. It told a whole story. It, it it caught me up on everything that was going on, and it made the following match that much more enjoyable and had me invested. I agree. I thought it was amazing. So we get our street fight for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, Cactus Jack versus Triple H. This is uh, this is a great match. I'll say it now. I will run through it uh, as briefly as I can, but it's it's an epic. Um, Jack's music. It's my first time watching it. Oh, I mean, I remember this match. It's primarily, uh, you know, I think why why I suggested two thousand. I can't remember if it was me or you, but I'm pretty sure I suggested. No, it was you. It's one of my all time favorite matches from a Royal Rumble pay per view. Possibly in WWF history, it would it, it would maybe make the top ten at least, even maybe top five. Um, Jack's music is a ten as well. I will give Cactus Jack's uh, little intro music a ten out of ten as well. Um, I also love Triple H's game music. So before the Motorhead, I love that. That's my favorite Triple H. Theme. I think it's perfect. It suits the character. My time a lot better yeah definitely it just it tells you everything you need to know about this guy and he comes out looking like a million dollars both guys look amazing here um and he is also wearing the greatest heavyweight championship belt of all time the winged eagle belt is my favorite championship belt of all time it's just characteristic it's to me it's it's the one i grew up with as a child i think I, i still prefer the wcw world heavyweight Okay, I think it's not your preference. Yeah. I think whatever you grow up with, that's going to be your perhaps your your championship. Uh, but I think those two those two are always the the top belts that people they, debate I, about. I think so. Yeah, I think the WWF championship belt is just so iconic with the the, the wings going up either side and everything, and the little blue background just looks mm-hmm. great. Uh, but uh, in the ring, Jack starts talking to Hunter, who gives nervous glances around him. And Jar and King basically sell this really well. They say that, you know, Triple H isn't worried, but then he starts to look worried, and then they start to question, is he worried? And immediately Cactus starts teeing off on Hunter and delivers a swinging neckbreaker on the outside as Triple H goes to get out of the way. Um, There's a leg drop to the back of Hunter as he comes back into the ring, and then he works him over on the outside. Hunter clocks Jack in the head with a ring bell, then retreats to the ring with a chair. Jack charges and gets leveled by a chair shot, but goes straight back on the offense, dropping Hunter and then placing a chair on his face for an awesome-looking leg drop. Can I just say something very quick? Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened, but Triple H looks like he got shot in the calf early on in the match. Yes. I thought he, there was a spot where he backdropped Cactus Jack on a trash can outside of the ring, and I thought maybe somehow he got cut. Mm-hmm. But on the replay they showed it, it didn't look like it. So I don't know how it happened, but he literally had like a bullet hole in his calf, and it was just gushing blood. And throughout the match, when he would like try to get up, yes, he would step. He would step on that foot, and every time he would step on it, like the blood would just pour like a waterfall out of that hole throughout the entire match, and it just grossed me out so much. <laughs> and I'm not even squeamish. Like I watch gory movies all the time, but this just like, oh my gosh, this was awful. Yeah, it was wild. It did look like he got shot. It did look like a bullet wind in his calf. <laughs> That's a good call. Um, 
so yes, the, the two brawl um, into the crowd, uh, pushing through fans to the entranceway. Jack sends Hunter into a pile of bricks and then suplexes him onto some wooden pallets. Uh, he bounces Hunter off the corrugated doors. They spend a little bit too much time here as the crowd start to chant boring um, mm-hmm. in the background. And then there's a, a lot of... I think it's just primarily because nobody can see it. Um, and <laughs> but JR said they're they're chanting for Cactus Jack. He did, yeah. He, tra- he tra- desperately tried to cover it. Um, Jack props Hunter against the steps and delivers a running knee into him, sending Triple H into the ring. He retrieves a 2x4 covered in barbed wire for a huge pop. Um, Hunter low blows him and then he works him over with the barbed wire. Hunter's leg is bleeding badly around this stage as well, I noted. Uh, the crowd boo when Earl Hebner takes it out of the ring, the barbed wire, um, and then is late to count after a low blow by Jack uh, with the, uh, the wood after he'd retrieved it. Um, Jack clocks one of the Spanish announcers to to get it uh, back. So I think the low blow was with the wood. Then Earl Hebner removes it, um, mm-hmm. and then he was late coming into the ring to count the the pin. And then Jack had to go back to the outside. So it was a bit of a bit of a messy spot here. But um, so Jack basically clocks one of the Spanish announcers in the face to get the. Uh, two by four back, which was hidden under the Spanish announcer's <laughs> desk. The announcer just dies; he just falls over and dies. <laughs> Hugo Savinovich or something, or something like that. I uh-huh. can't remember his name, but he always took a good punch. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he ducks out of the way. So Jack brings it back in. Earl Hebner interferes um, to try and get it off him, uh, even though this is a street fight. Earl Hebner shouldn't be interfering here. Um, yeah, but Earl quite rightly gets slammed into the corner by Hunter, who runs at Jack, uh, and Jack obviously moves out of the way. Um, Hunter drops um, uh, Jack with multiple shops, shots with the barbed wire. Um, or no, it was Jack that dropped Hunter with multiple shots with the bar- shots with the barbed wire. So Hunter is now dripping blood out of his forehead. Earl interferes again and again here. Um, just kept getting in the way and interfering I really don't like Earl Hebner as a referee I just think he just inserts himself too much into any match he's part of Mm -hmm. Uh, but on the outside Mix tries to pile driver through Hunter through uh, King and JR's announce table but he gets backdropped through the Spanish announce table no he does get backdropped on their one and they don't take the monitors out so it looks kind of scary um Back in the ring, Jack blocks a pedigree and nails Hunter into the barbed wire plank again on the mat. They go back out to the outside again. Triple H tosses Jack into the steps and then whips him into them for good measure. A very bloodied Triple H batters Jack with the bat in the ring and then grabs handcuffs. And um, we get like a spot very similar to uh, The Rock versus uh, Mankind at, uh, gosh, I forget the name of the pay-per-view, but it was in 1999 where Rock handcuffs him and basically destroys him with chair shots, giving him a lot of concussions, I believe. Um, I think that may be Royal Rumble also, but 1999. Oh, okay, possibly. I can't remember, but it is in, um, I think, one of the documentaries. It was done over the years, and uh, it's kind of frightening to see. Yeah, he just beats the shit out of him with a chair it does yeah far too many and uh, you get to see uh, uh, Mick Foley's kids and wife crying in the crowd and it's not nice Uh, anyway so uh, Jack dropped toeholds Hunter uh, even though he's handcuffed into the ring steps in the ring after Hunter was about to hit him with them and then he low blows him with a headbutt and bites him and JR reminds us of the Mankind vs Rock so 
Jack retreats to the entrance ramp and takes a chair shot to the head, unprotected of course, and he begs Hunter to hit him again and again, but the rock clocks Hunter in the head with a chair and a cop uncuffs Jack to free him. Uh, Jack? Yeah, this is another spot I didn't like. I don't understand why the cop got involved. It's one of those spots where the staff is helping again for no reason yeah it's a bit of a just a pop i guess uh, but yeah jack eventually pile drives hunter through the spanish announce table which was great looking um mm-hmm. triple h just looks like he's dead here at the stage um probably was close to it <laughs> and jack grabs a bag from under the ring which jerry calls a sandbag what's he gonna do hit him with a sandbag and yeah it's of course our old friend the thumbtacks and they must have not done many thumbtack spots by this point no that's I mean, why he was kind of i know that 1998 king of the ring obviously they did it there um, oh that's right yeah but i don't right. know if they've done many since they wouldn't use it all the time it's a very f- infrequent spot i guess because it's probably only mick foley that's going to go out of his way to really put in thumbtacks into a match mm-hmm. um but uh mick of course after spreading the thumbtacks around stephanie comes out to distract and then he gets mick foley gets ba- uh, backdropped into the tax uh, he kicks out of a pedigree in an unbelievable spot because I don't think many people were doing that at the time. Uh, but he then takes another pedigree right on top of the tax and is pinned in 26 minutes and 55 seconds. Holy shit, this is great. Um, but it doesn't end there just before we go to the recap or our thoughts on it. Jack has tax in his head, which you can clearly see sticking out of his forehead near his eye. And as Hunter gets stretchered out, Jack runs after him and wheels him back to the ring. He runs him into the ring in the stretcher. And then he hits him with a barbed wire bat and stands tall and his music plays to to finish us out here. I will say this. It's five five stars straight off the bat. I, I can imagine you probably guessed that, but... um. I I always thought back when I watched this match that I was always really disappointed with the result and even today when you know I watched it yesterday I was still disappointed with the result even though I knew who was winning mm-hmm. this one this was um a match between one man in his prime and realistically the last hurrah for Cactus Jack um slash Mick Foley at the tail end of his career um it's an absolute spectacle match uh i think it's one of the best wwf matches of all time coachman uh or sorry yeah just before i go into the next segment sorry i'm getting ahead of myself here you you go for it what did you think of this it's it's funny that you say that this was foley's end of his career because i think many people myself included think of foley as an old man Mm -hmm. but he was only 34 (laughs) Mm -hmm. he was only 34 on this show and if you compare that to modern superstars He's as old as Wardlow, and they <laughs> refer to Wardlow as a future pillar. As a kid, JR refers to him as a future star. Yes. Which is pretty crazy to think about. And if and he's younger than Roman. He's younger than Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the same age as Becky Lynch. Uh, and all those guys are pretty young, if you, th- if, you th- if you think about it. And it's just crazy to think of Mick Foley here as an old crippled man, pretty much. Uh, but that just goes to show what he's put his body through over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, this match, that pedigree, from what I read, I don't know if this is true or not, but from what I read, Mick Foley kicked out. When he kicked out from the pedigree, it was he was going against the script, mm-hmm. and that's and Triple H yelling at the referee was like his legitimate 
anger and confusion because he thought Foley was going in business for himself. But Foley wanted him to pedigree him again on the thumbtacks to make Triple H look more brutal, like evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know how true that is. But if that's true, that's pretty interesting Mm. piece of trivia. Kind of like on the spot calling. Um, Yeah, this match is legendary. I remember uh, when I was watching WWE, when I first started out watching it in 2002, 2003, they were still making some references to this match. And (laughs) 20 years later, I'm finally watching it. And... I've said this before in our TNA pay-per-view that we did recently. I'm not a big fan of thumbtack spots. And uh, this match was pretty much all about thumbtacks and cutting each other. And it was that kind of brutality. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I prefer the jumping off ladders, going through tables, that kind of stuff. So this style of hardcore is not really for me. Uh, So because of that, I kind of can't give it a 5. And also... um, some of the confusion, like some of the spots were a, little, a bit sloppy and confusing. Uh, so I'll have to give this four and a half, okay. which I think is still pretty good. Um, and by far <laughs> higher than anything else we've given on this show so far. Yeah. Yeah, And one thing I want to say about Triple H, say what you want about him, but this man over the years has busted his ass, like almost like no one else. He's worked through injuries like we saw at that Survivor Series Elimination Chamber match. Mm-hmm where he had a crushed throat for like 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of the match. And here he, I don't know what was going on with his leg, but I'm sure it wasn't comfortable for him. Uh, But he went through it. Like Hogan would never do this. (laughs) Kevin Nash would never do this. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Triple H, he, he deserves some praise, I think, for his hard work. And from what many are saying, this was like his star making match at the time. Mm-hmm. Was kind of this match kind of took him to that top level. So, yeah, legendary match. Yeah, definitely. This would be before the, um, I guess the, the infamous uh, Eternal Champion run that he would have in two thousand and three, uh, where yeah. which I think rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. This is the the sort of the the pinnacle I think of Triple H's career in my mind. Um, this is the way mm-hmm. I remember or want to remember Triple H. <clears throat> Everything that came after it. Pretty much pales in comparison to this one. I know there's lots of matches that he's had that are great and probably exceed this one, but for me, this is kind of like the shit-eating hunter at the time where he was just winning and he was doing it in such a diabolical heel fashion. He wasn't um, necessarily always winning in clean matches because he had Stephanie on his side and he also had DX as well, which is the extended DX of X-Pac and the the New Age Outlaws and stuff and Tori as well. Mm But there you go. Great match. I loved it. Um, yep. To the back. Coachman is in WWE or WWF New York with the CEO and Donald Trump's best stooge, Linda McMahon. Coachman fluffs her name slightly and you can <laughs> just about hear it, but someone is sniggering on the microphone and <laughs> that did make me laugh. Uh, he asks her something and she largely says nothing. Back to JR and King, and they stall while the ring crew desperately sweep the ring, and we get Hardfinkel introducing the rules, as always. And uh, we get a video package shortly afterwards showing Shawn Michaels really focusing on Shawn Michaels, as they would do for many, many years at this stage, saying, remember, one foot touches the the floor, it still counts, you're okay. Both feet have to touch the ground. Uh, So they show his uh, infamous win over Davy Boy in the 1995 Royal Rumble. Classic moment. Um, 
and we're yeah, well, the, the the greatest Royal Rumble competitor of all time is Zach Gowan. How so? <laughs> Zach Gowan. I don't remember it. Oh yes, <laughs> the one-legged wrestler. Oh no, yes. Has he was he ever in the Royal Rumble? I'm pretty sure they would have. Used I don't him. think I don't think so because he was in WWE for only one year, and I don't mm. think he was in it. Yeah, it would have been a bit. Uh, bit like cheating if they'd put him in there but uh wouldn't have put it past Vince to stuck him in the royal rumble but uh there you go uh, honestly that rule i don't like that rule because if you think about it it's, unless someone just completely throws you directly it's it shouldn't be that hard to land just on one foot and hop around and get back in <laughs> you'd think that but um... or, 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 or or maybe like if you land on your stomach your feet are still up in the air and you can get up just on one foot <laughs> or maybe just crawl on your knees. I don't know. It just sounds a little bit too easy. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with uh, Kofi Kingston for many, many, many years. Has avoided. And uh, Naomi got that gimmick as well then, not long after, where she would have this spot where she gets thrown out, but ends up uh, sort of staying on a chair and hopping over to the ring and loads of wee spots like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they love playing with that. That'll be in this year's Rumble, I'm, I would imagine. And Kofi Kingston will probably be doing it again before he gets chucked out um, as an afterthought. The Royal Rumble, the match, a.k.a. the match of a thousand low blows, uh, to continue tonight's theme <laughs> of many, many low blows. Uh, jump in whenever you want, dude, because this is... Uh, I haven't got too much on this. I've just got the uh, well, some of the highest. I don't. Highlights. I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off as I just did. <laughs> but I'll raise my hand and just keep an eye out on that because I don't want to interrupt <laughs> you constantly. Okay, grand. Uh, so, number one, who drew number one? Is it Ric Flair? Is it? It was Delo. It was shaky head <laughs> Delo. Yes, with his uh, wobbly head gimmick. Uh, he's number that one. That man gets concussions without getting hit in the head. It, with a chair. It's, it's like a car crash every time he uh, he walks to the ramp. Um, Grandmaster Sexay is number two, and Jr. says, "Some say this man got a bad break at birth." While the camera cuts to King, um, <laughs> and, uh, they did this gimmick for years where they would always say that. Grandmaster Sexy is uh, Jerry Lo- Jerry Lawler's son, and Jerry Lawler kept denying it. I don't know yes. why, but they just kept doing that for years. Yes, and it would end in a really, really, really awkward segment where, like many, many years later, where they would bring out uh, Brian Christopher, Jerry Lawler's son, um, and he looked bloated and unwell, and then Jerry would be like, you're the biggest disappointment in my life, and stuff like that, and they really... it was. I can't remember what it was about. I think it was when Cole was having his feud with Jerry Lawler in like 2010 or 2009 or something. That must be one that was, yeah. I wasn't yeah, watching it. It's really horrific. It's just not needed. Um, and obviously, Brian Christopher is no longer with us. But the one thing I yeah. will say is I ne- that never gets old is I love hearing JR say, Grandmaster Sex A. He has this weird... <laughs> he just delays the A at the end. It's amazing. Well, well, we'll get to one of his teammates later, but JR just... Does, he says the whole group's name weird. <laughs> yeah. When, when he comes out, I'll mention it again. Uh, Headbanger Mosh is out in number three with uh, giant green furry titties. Um, <laughs> this was so bizarre. I burst out laughing when I saw this. I have no idea what this was about. Yeah, and uh... when he was doing wrestling moves, it was like interfering. He couldn't even do any of the moves because he literally like 
foot-long titties sticking out. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's very weird. Uh, Kayantai jump Mosh and Sexay before being thrown out. Um, Mosh is hurt from Sexay bulldogging uh, Dilo onto Mosh's ankle. And number four is a very young Christian cage. Uh, Rikishi is number five and he gets a huge pop uh, and he immediately throws Mosh out. This is the the teammate that I was talking about. It's Rikishi. It's R I K I S H I. Mm-hmm. But Jr. always says it Raw Kishi. It's like R A W, and then Kishi. And he always does this. He always says Raw Kishi. Oh, okay. It just it's so weird to me. Like why? I don't get it. But I guess everybody has those certain words that they say differently. Yeah. And I guess that's just what Jr. does. <laughs> Yeah, it must be the southern southern drawl he's got, I suppose. Um, Maybe, yeah. Rikishi throws Mosh out, uh, and then Christian. He delivers a Rikishi driver to Dilo, and then he throws him out. So it's just him and Brian Christopher in the ring. Uh, number six, wouldn't you guess it? It's Scotty Too Hotty, and he gets a huge Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> no hotty. <laughs> he <laughs> breaks up the tension between Rikishi and Sexay, as Rikishi's basically eyeing up... Uh, Grandmaster Sexay, like he's a, a steak fillet. Um, like he's going to chuck him out. And uh, they put the glasses on Rikishi and they all dance in the ring, having a good time. Scotty does the worm. This was awesome. I, I really like this. I, I, this just, I don't know, it was a very heartwarming segment. I love it too. I did like Too Cool, uh, the tag team Too Cool. And uh, Scotty does the worm. Uh, and then basically Rikishi throws them both out as they're by the ropes. And then Rikishi does a wee dance on his own. And the crowd love it while the camera goes right up his hole. I'm surprised how like how popular Rikishi was. He was massive because it was such a unique gimmick at the time. And I was listening to yeah. um, whose podcast was it? Was it uh, Chris Jericho's podcast recently where he inter- interviewed Scotty Tuhati? And the, the dude just sounds like such a nice guy. And he had so many nice memories that he brought up of Tuko and Rikishi and just what a wonderful time this was for him in his life and uh, it's really it's worth going out, to, out of your way to listen to if you want to hear somebody uh, like a good story coming out of like a, an old wrestler from this time period because there isn't too many unfortunately yeah number seven is uh, an owl in human form I call him uh, Steve Blackman he is very owl like he runs to the ring uh, with his owl eyes um, and then the crowd chant that he sucks so Rikishi throws him out in short order <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I was never into Steve Blackman. I about a year ago I was watching all the Raws from 1998, and he was like on every show. And every show I'm just like, I'm not feeling this guy. He, He's just like no personality. He is another one like Bob Holly. He's a charisma vacuum. Uh, he is yeah. a black hole of charisma. Viscera, um, or Missy Elliot, uh, in his bin bag attire is number eight. Uh, as <laughs> And basically, the, the two big lads square up in the ring, Rikishi and him. And, uh, at, at least his massive boobies were covered up this time. It is grim, yeah. Rikishi <laughs> delivers three super kicks and ejects Big Vis. Number nine is Big Boss Man, who refuses to get in. He's playing the smart card. Um, number ten is Test, who batters which, Boss Man. Which, again, they say... JR pointed out that there's no rule that says you have to get in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, why doesn't everyone just sit outside? If I'm number one entry, you make such a big deal that, oh, he's number one entry, has to outlast everybody. <laughs> well, why don't I just go under the bottom rope and go have a cup of tea or something? 
Yes. What are they going to do? Dr- somebody's going to come drag me into the ring to throw me over the top? Like, yes, you have. Why don't I just like <laughs> go backstage and take a nap? You, you have uncovered one of the many flaws with the Royal Rumble. Uh, we have to ignore yeah. that, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Test batters Big Boss Man uh, as he comes out and throws him into the ring and he gets a huge pop. Um, but he gets low blowed by Boss Man, wouldn't you know? And uh, Boss Man takes then a low blow by Rikishi as well, uh, I believe. Um, number 11 is the British Bulldog uh, with his generic jeans and boot cut boots. Uh, or boot cut jeans and uh, boots. Uh, he... He, <laughs> he delivers a low blow to Rikishi as well. Um... <laughs> Number <laughs> at least his hair was improved this time. It didn't look like he'd been dragged through a bush. Uh, it was uh, it was it was much more respectable. Um, yeah, number twelve is oh, Gangrel, who has to rush his vampire entrance, which I thought was hilarious. He's doing it in fast. <laughs> he has to do it really yeah, quickly. <laughs> Test was like leaning over the top rope trying to grab yeah. his head, but he kept missing. So he had to spray his blood and then immediately get in the ring and just looked a bit stupid. Gangrel is just so cool. Like, I don't, I don't care about him as a wrestler, but he's just so cool. He's got a wacky face. I'll say that he's got googly eyes yeah. and a bit of a wacky, wacky mouth. Uh, he, he's just a bit wacky. He's too wacky for me. Uh, but I do think his entrance is one of the best entrances, and his music yeah, as well was some of the best music too. Um, Kai and Tai interrupts again, but get thrown out. Uh, this is the spot where Taka Mishinoku almost dies. Uh, he goes over the top. They don't immediately show it. There's a replay very soon, which we'll get to. Um, number 13 is Edge, who goes straight for Gangrel, because they had previously been in Brood together. Obviously, Gangrel was his boss and no, no longer. And he had the biggest smile on his face. I was like, <laughs> why are you so happy? Like <laughs> He was very, very happy. This is before, I guess, like Edge and Christian really took off, but it wouldn't be you know too long. Um, mm-hmm. And then Bossman uh, takes a sumo splash off of Rikishi, and we get another replay of Taka almost dying while King laughs his head off and thinks this is the greatest thing. And then this is the recurring shit that we have to deal with in this uh, uh, throughout for the rest of the night Lawler keeps asking for a replay of the Chinese guy getting a legitimate concussion and fractured collarbone yes Uh, and he JR keeps correcting me he's Japanese and this guy's like no he's Chinese Chinese show me the Chinese guy oh that's so great oh it's it's like oh it's so painful to watch Anyway, number 14 is former WWF champion Bob Backlund, uh, who worked back in the day for Vince Sr. He looks like a 14-year-old boy, uh, but sort of like a 14-year-old boy in a 50-year-old body. Um, It is the weirdest. This dude is like... He looks like a math teacher. He looks so young, but so old at the same time. Um... (laughs) And then, it's just so weird. I never understood Bob Backlund. I never understood the appeal of him. He just, he's so pale. He's milk bottle white. Um, horrendous. I think he was running for some kind of office at this stage. He's another Yeah, they, they were saying Republican. he was campaigning. It's ridiculous, yeah. Um, what I did find funny is that when he got eliminated, he went into the crowd, and JR and King were like, oh, he's just camp- he keeps campaigning Yeah, it's, for, uh, for his position. He, he is a bit crazy. Um, everyone boos as Rikishi gets eliminated by everyone else in the ring um, Chris Jericho is number 15 and eliminates Bob uh, Backlund with a drop kick uh, Crash Holly is number 16 there's a low blow by Edge to, build, to Bulldog 
China is number 17, who goes straight for Jericho and suplexes him out, but she gets eliminated by Big Boss Man straight afterwards while she gloats on the ring apron. Farouk is number 18, followed by the Main Street Posse, who are not in the Rumble, but beat him up and escape. Boss Man throws Farouk straight out as a result. Um, Road Dog is number 19 for a huge pop going straight after Test, but he gets a swift low blow for his troubles. <laughs> number 20 is Al Snow in his best generic black singlet. This I don't know if this was wash day or something, and Al Snow had nothing to wear, but... This guy. Yeah, this is so weird. This guy couldn't have looked any more generic. This is like you just, <laughs> create a wrestler template yes. before yes. you make any edits. This is exactly <laughs> that. It is like when you load up create a wrestler and it loads like a random character who's just in like basic gear. This is Al Snow. Yeah. <laughs> Road Dog eliminates the Bulldog. Uh, obviously, somebody got a big enjo- enjoyment out of one dog eliminating another one. Um, number 21 is a greasy conspiracy nut job, aka Val Venus. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Fanaki runs in uh, while JR says that Taka has been taken to hospital, while King calls them Chinese and tells JR that he's probably away eating Chinese food. King calls for another replay again. Uh, one thing I want to say, I'm not sure if it was at this time or maybe it was later in the match, but I just thought it was a funny line where Lawler says, JR, the only thing you run for is dinner. And JR goes, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and I was like, I I agree. Yeah. Dinner is always good. King in small doses is okay. King ramped yeah. up to 11. Cocaine high King is, is no, not for me. Um, yeah, horny, racist King is, I don't like that. Yeah, not a fan. Uh... Number 22 is Sexual Chewbacca, a.k.a. Prince Albert, uh, <laughs> who is basically just a walking carpet at this stage. Uh, Edge. Oh, J- Lawler had a funny line about him. Well, not really funny, but it might be a little disgusting. But he was like, uh, Albert showed me his tongue piercing, and he sa- and the other one he showed me hurt a lot more. Yeah, I think JR immediately sort of swiftly <laughs> moved him on from that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edge is eliminated by Snow and Venus. Uh, Hardcore Holly is number 23. The Rock is number 24, and he comes out to a monster pop. And mm-hmm. he immediately puts the boots to uh, Boss Man with punches and everything. Um, Mr. Ass is 25. The Rock eliminates Crash Holly. Uh, I think I did... Uh, did Boss Man get put out by Rock here, I believe, as well. I think he got put out. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big Show is 26, eliminating Test and Gangrel. He delivers a massive Gorilla Press slam to Holly in the middle of the ring, which is like, why didn't you just chuck him over the top? Um, yeah. JR even asked that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Bradshaw is number 27, but he also gets jumped by the Main Street Posse, but he kills all of them with really stiff clotheslines. Uh, but the New Age Outlaws throw him out. Kane is 28, who immediately eliminates Val Venus, who blames it on Joe Biden and doesn't accept it at all and says it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, he doesn't really, but uh, I'd imagine that's what he would do in 2022 if he was in the Royal Rumble. Uh, number 29 is The Godfather with his Hotrian. Um, you know, for, for fans who didn't grow up in this era, um, The Godfather, a.k.a. Papa Shango, a.k.a. Kama, um, aka many other gimmicks that he's had over the years good father the good father yes as well uh, would come out dressed as a pimp uh, with a train of uh, locally sourced 
young women. Um, I believe they used to source them from strip clubs. Um, and this is the year 2000, folks. This is what they did. Uh, and one of them tr- one of them tripped. She didn't fall, but she tripped, and I chuckled at that. Yes. These... She, like, stepped on the cable or something. And Could have been disastrous, <laughs> yeah, for, for that young lady. Yeah. This is uh, the year 2000, folks. And obviously, they would uh, Godfather would go on to make weed references and all sorts of edgy things that were happening at that time that were uh, cool. As it were, um, he was like he was basically like the uh, if Snoop Dogg was a wrestler, yes, uh, but a lot beefier. Yeah, that would be him. <laughs> uh, you have to say I do love Godfather's look. I'm not sure about the character work, but I think his look is awesome. Um, but I was a massive fan of Papa Shango, and I, I just love I like seeing seeing him. He seems like a nice dude. Uh, Charles Wright, mm-hmm. I believe his name yeah. is. Um, Kane eliminates Albert. Um, we get another replay of poor Taka, who King once again says that he's Chinese, and then Jr. snaps and says um, that he's had enough, and to st- and he actually tells him to not be xenophobic. And I was like, wow! Like on live pay per view, King gets told to not be racist. That is just yeah. unbelievable. Um, yeah, and this... that probably came from Jr. himself. He probably had enough of his shit I, I, for real. I, I guarantee it did, and I'm sure he was because he was fed up of having to remind them they're Japanese. You know they're Japanese. He had to actually say that to him. You know that they're Japanese. Stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, King can fuck off in this match. Um, <laughs> X Pac is number thirty and is the last entrant. Entrant. Um, Al Snow eliminates Hardcore Holly. Big Show eliminates Godfather. The Rock eliminates Al Snow. Mr. Ass eliminates the Road Dog. Kane eliminates Mr. Ass. The Rock launches X Pac over the ropes into the stratosphere, but the refs don't don't see it um, because they're distracted by Kane and the New Age outlaws and stuff. This Um, just annoyed me. Yeah, because Kane gets dragged to the outside, and all of the refs are trying to get Kane back into the ring because he he didn't go over the top rope; he goes under it or through it or something. Um, yeah, but why? Like they clearly said in the beginning, you don't have to be in the ring. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So um, at least one ref should stay back and watch the eliminations. But no, they all had to run over there. And X Pac, who almost died, yes. <laughs> getting eliminated, he just gets back in. Like it's he does, nothing. he just runs, he sprints back in. Um, Kane slams Big Show, but X Pac hits him with a spinning wheel kick um, and puts him out. Because X-Pac and uh, him were feuding at the time over Tori, who is aligned with mm-hmm. uh, Kane at the moment. Um, Big Show Gorilla Press slams X-Pac over the top rope in a huge spot. Like this was like, if I was X-Pac, I pretty, I'd be pretty much pissed that I went back into the ring to take this. Um, yeah. There's yeah. the people's elbow to the Big Show choke slam to Rock. He teases throwing Rock out, and as he runs the Rock into the ropes to get him over. He, you know, The Rock uses the momentum to push Show out in 51 minutes and 48 seconds. And although we didn't see it as it's edited out or it's just not shown shown on the live pay-per-view version, actually both of Rock's feet touched the ground. So it's hilarious. They completely sort of botched the end of it. But I guess the weight of Big Show pushing the ropes down and pushing Rock down as Rock tries to flip himself back in, they turn it into a storyline and... It would see The Rock versus uh, Big Show at No Way Out, I believe. So, huge pop. I um, one, Go ahead. One thing I want to say about this moment is this exact moment is actually recreated in, in SmackDown Here Comes the Pain. If you're not a champion, but you're kind of like in the rankings for the world title, and you win the Royal Rumble, if you legitimately win the Royal Rumble in, in 
the month of January in the game, mm-hmm. it will actually play a cutscene and sh- recreate this exact scene where basically your feet are touching the floor and like the last guy in the match is going to complain and say, oh, your feet touched the floor, I wasn't eliminated, like you didn't really win, and then you have to feud with him, and then at No Way Out in the game you fight for the real number one contender, so mm-hmm. they... It's kind of cool that they recreated that. It's cool. It turned it into an angle because they did show it on Raw, I think, the next night to, sh- to show that The Rock actually didn't officially win it. I think Hunter was involved and the whole... Just against... Yeah. Some, piling up I was know, trying against to, The Rock. I was trying to remember. I was like, okay, The Rock won. Who's he fighting? Is he fighting Triple H at WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, I don't remember them having a match at WrestleMania. And then I was like, wait, where's Austin? And then I was like... Oh no, he's injured. Like, what's yeah. the WrestleMania match? And then I remembered the, that fatal four-way at WrestleMania 2000. I was like, oh no, I think yes. we did that show actually a long time ago. Possibly, possibly, yes. I'll have to dig that one out, perhaps, and we'll have that as a bonus show over WrestleMania weekend. We'll see if it is there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, I I'll just quickly give you my thoughts. I thought it was a very much a one-man rumble. Uh, there was no one in it even close to the Rock in terms of importance. Um, it it's yeah, it's it's kind of a weird rumble, I think, for me. Um, he does get, grab the mic afterwards and delivers the usual hits on the mic and stuff, and Big Show assaults him from behind, so they try and sort of tease, you know, it's they're building up a feud pretty much between the two, which they obviously started earlier on in the night. It's not very long. Not much happens, really. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not particularly the greatest rumble in the world, but it's, it's fun. There's lots of wild characters in this one, um, and yeah. What did you think? So I was actually pretty surprised by the lack of star power in this mm. World Rumble match because uh, obviously Austin wasn't on the show and also The Undertaker wasn't on the show. But they did utilize most of their roster and the Radicals didn't come in until actually a week after this. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have them yet. Um, from what I read, they actually had to switch up the lineup of the match last minute because... It had even less stars. Basically, all the people that had the matches already were not going to be in the Royal Rumble. They were going to have Kayentai in there. Mm-hmm. They were going to have the Mean Street Posse in there. And that's why those guys kept running in, because they already had them at the show. But they figured, like, this is really bare-bones Royal Rumble with an obvious winner. We got to, like, put Jericho in there and uh, Billy Gunn and all the guys that already had matches. So that's why they threw them back in. I was actually surprised... Uh, they didn't put Kurt Angle in there, but mm-hmm. I guess he's selling uh, the choke out, mm-hmm. concussion, whatever. Uh, it'd be kind of cool to see Taz in there, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, this Rumble, definitely memorable for a couple... Sp- uh, for the dancing with Too Cool, because that still gets played in all kind of highlight reels all the time. And that controversial finish, of course, like in the game and everything that they carried over. So those couple moments are memorable, but uh, overall, yeah, like no one really stood out. The Rock stood out as the winner, but he didn't really do much. Uh, I think the person that stood out to me personally the most is Rikishi, because he kind of dominated for a while and he had the spotlight uh, focused on him more than anyone else. Um, yeah, it's it's a I didn't I forgot to rate this. <laughs> I, I gave it a two out of five. I, I thought it was very unmemorable. Uh, see, I, I'm trying to compare it to the previous Royal Rumble we did, which is 1992, and mm. that one had better moments than this one, but this one had some better moments than that one, so I kind of, overall, I think they're about the same for me, so I'm going to have to give this one a 3 out of 5. Okay, fair enough. 
And that brings us to the end of the review. Now, obviously, we have to go to our wonderful uh, awards ceremony. So I'll hand it across to you, the, the Master of Awards. Go, go for it. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to our WrestleBlast Awards, where we have uh, various categories, where we get, where we have a few nominees, and then we pick the best one for each one. So our first and I'm speaking because I'm reading ahead too far. Our first category is Best Entrance of the Night, which was pretty difficult to pick because of the constraints of the <laughs> arena. Nobody really had any pyro or anything fancy. They just kind of took five steps and there was the ring. Yeah. <laughs> but I tried to kind of scrape the barrel. Uh, and nominee number one is Triple H, mm-hmm. mostly because of the uh, flashing lights and that music that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, nominee number two is Chris Jericho, and nominee number three is Taz. Ooh. Um, do you want me to start, or do you want to... Well, well who, who are you leaning towards? I'm, I'm, I'm I have not, a winner in my... I'm not leaning. I'm full tilt. I'm going for Taz. Uh, okay, me too. Yeah. That, I... <laughs> that, that pop he got, he looked like a total badass. Yes. Um, yeah. And we get so the... It's our... Taz! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that memorable quote. <laughs> So our second category is called Dress to Impress, which is the best attire of the night. Okay. And again, this was kind of difficult to pick because everyone kind of wore their regular attires. Nobody really went above and beyond. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to count the women in this because that's mm, no. too cheap and too inappropriate. Uh, so I'm going to go with nominee number one is Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, second nominee is Jeff Hardy with his rainbow hair which i think is pretty cool mm-hmm. for its time and third and third is your boy mosh with his <laughs> giant titties um <laughs> he, he's the only one that went above and beyond he tried to be different he did and and how different he was um i am going to have to vote for kurt angle uh just because this is classic kurt in the sort of red yep. white the captain america colors i guess you could call it um yeah. just looks amazing I'm honestly not a fan of any of these attires, but I'm so I'm gonna give you Kurt because I do agree that's obviously one of the better ones. So okay. yeah, Kurt will be our winner. That's a two so we, two time winner, two time dressed yeah, to impress he, winner. He did win he, the TNA. He, he's yeah. the drip god. Yeah. He's just too fresh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Joey Styles. Oh my God award. This is <laughs> this was difficult. I really had to kind of condense some of these choices. And unfortunately, some great spots are not going to win that would probably win on any other show. Um, also, it, you, since there's so many spots in this show, you can throw one in yourself if you have one that I don't mention. But okay. um, First nominee is Bobo Ray Dudley falling off the balcony through the tables. Mm-hmm. Second nominee, Jeff Hardy's swanton bomb off the balcony to Devon to put him through the tables. Third nominee is Mick Foley, pile driver on the announce table to Triple H, and the table doesn't break, but Triple H's blood gets smeared everywhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, the fourth nominee is Triple H pedigreeing Mick Foley on the thumbtacks. Yes. And last but not least, Jerry Lawler's favorite moment of the night, Taka Michinoku pretty much breaking his upper body as he falls, oh. flies out of the ring. This is a tough one. I don't have a choice at the moment okay um i i i'm going to go for triple h pedigree and cactus jack directly onto the thumbtacks with cactus's 
arms behind his back, face planting into the tacks. Um, I can't vote for Taka. I'll give him a, uh, an honourable mention because it's not nice to see. Uh, whereas I think you know one is a controlled. Um, that's right. That's true. Impact, yeah. and that one is uncontrolled, and it's just sad to see him getting injured. Uh, I'm glad to see he's okay. Still wrestles to this day in New Japan, so yeah, good on Taka. But what what do you, what do you think then? Who should win this one? Yeah, I I'm gonna agree with you because of just how like legendary the match and the moment is of the pedigree on the thumbtacks. Uh, you already gave a shout out to Taka. That was my second choice. I'm also gonna give a shout out to Jeff Hardy Swanton Bomb because mm. that was kind of first of its kind also at that time and it's in a lot of highlight reels and packages as well so yeah we're gonna have to give the the medal or the trophy to triple h pedigree okay all right the comedy gold medal funniest moment of the night (laughs) i don't even think we mentioned this but when bubba ray dudley put matt hardy through the table the way he was celebrating was funny to me because he was just like leaned back and over and he was just standing like this uh-huh. for a few moments <laughs> uh, second nominee is Kurt Angle backstage asking if he won even though he got choked out Okay. Uh, third nominee it's not funny to me personally but I guess it should be in the funny category but Jerry Lawler acting like a 14 year old boy during the bikini contest mm-hmm and fourth nominee is Headbanger Mosh's outfit. Oh. See, none of them are particularly funny, I think. Yeah, I agree. This was hard for me to This is a of... hard one to pick because although the Kurt Angle segment's good, it's very short. Um... And it also kind of mocks concussions, which is, I guess, not very politically correct. Yes, I think it Uh, should go... If I could have an alternative slotted in here, I would actually say the funniest moment on the show for me was um, Jonathan Coachman fluffing Linda McMahon's name and somebody laughing audibly on the microphone. What what did he call her? He just stumbled on her name and somebody you could just hear was laughing... I'm going to guess it was Vince McMahon, but I don't know. I, I can't be huh. sure. But somebody just went <laughs> like that on the mic. For some for some for some reason I can't I did not catch that, so I <laughs> I don't recall. I'm really lean, leaning towards Mosh's outfit. Okay. Because that's the that's the only thing that like put a legitimate smile on my face. Okay. Let's go for Headbanger <laughs> Mosh, I think. Yes. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> Here's one of our favorite categories, the Fire Russo Award. And okay. for those who don't know, this doesn't really have anything to do with Vince Russo because he wasn't in the company, but pretty much any bullshit that goes on on any show, it doesn't matter if it's from the 60s or <laughs> currently, if it's bullshit, it's the Fire Russo Award. Okay. Uh, so, nominee number one is every referee missing Xbox elimination. <laughs> so, second nominee, and by the way, this is going to be an easy winner. Okay. <laughs> Second nominee is Billy Gunn pulling the ref out and not getting DQ'd. And third nominee is the bikini contest. It's the bikini contest. <laughs> Easy. The Miss Miss Rumble uh, contest, I believe they called it. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. All right. Worst match of the night. We have three nominees. Number one is Kurt Angle versus Taz, which. 
I don't really consider a bad match, but no. we needed a third nominee. So okay. That's one. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship Triple Threat match of Chris Jericho, China, mm. and Hardcore Holly. Mm-hmm. And the third nominee is the APA against the New Age Outlaws. It's the APA versus the New Age Outlaws. It's it'd be a sin to even call it a match. It was uh, it was like the lads just came out for a little uh, wave to the crowd and then immediately went to the back. It was pointless. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was a waste of time like we mentioned earlier. <laughs> On the flip side, best match of the night. We have three nominees. Number one is the tag team table match between the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys. Second is the World Rumble match. Uh-huh. And third is Cactus Jack versus Triple H. It's Cactus Jack versus Triple H for me. <laughs> Another easy one. <laughs> and these following two uh, categories, they don't have nominees. The first one is the Jameson Award, oh, which yes. is a get them off my screen. <laughs> for me, it's Mae Young. Okay. Get them off. Hmm. I, I don't need to see her titties. I don't need to see her. I don't need to see anything like that. Um, I am going to say it is Jerry Lawler. He wasn't on the screen, though. He, well, he I was. guess he was a little uh, bit. He was. He was on the screen. Um, I'm gonna. <laughs> he didn't I'm, do anything bad on the screen. <clears throat> he was still there. I, if I can't have Jerry Lawler, because I would have him for that that xenophobia he had during the. I think, uh, I think we need to make a special category for him. The Jerry Lawler Award, the person that you want to mute. <laughs> yes, let's have a new award then. Jerry, Jerry Lawler. The Jerry Lawler Award is only for people that are on commentary or audible. Uh, yes, I will. I will uh, have him for that one. But uh, the, the okay. Jameson Award. Um, gosh, it's actually a hard one this time around because um, I don't want to be. I mean, Mae Young seemed like she was having a lot of fun. Uh, but I will have to give it to her. I don't but, need to but, see an elderly but she, lady. She was the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to see an elderly lady expose herself on, on pay-per-view. So. <laughs> okay. And then this might be... We might debate on this one. I don't know. But uh, the final category is the MVP of the night. Oh, okay. Um, I have one if you're still thinking. Go for it, yeah. For me, it's got to be Triple H because uh, he just went through hell. He's had intentional injuries with the blading and everything, and unintentional with his bleeding leg. And he was in the longest match of the night, which was besides the Royal Rumble. And it was the best match of the night. He was the winner of it. He was the champion. He He was nominated for an entrance award. And I just think he was a standout guy. (laughs) Uh... I'd love to give it to Jack, but I think I think you're right. I think he bumped like a boss around that ring. Uh, he took a lot of he took a lot of beatings. Um, so yes, I'll give it to Triple H. Probably one of the few times Triple H, Triple H will be winning anything, I would imagine, because uh, there's a lot of bollocks to do with Triple H. But I think that you're yeah. right. He did a tremendous job. He put Cactus Jack over. He made it seem really important. Like that championship was like. He was willing to die for it, um, yeah. And yeah, just it was just such a great match. Uh, honorable, yeah. I think it would be an honorable mention for both men. I think ideally, so there you go. I agree. I agree. 
So yes. So there you have it. Those are our awards for the night. I'm really excited. I was actually building the statistics table where I'm keeping track of like who won how many matches and who's had appearances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And who's won the awards. And so far, <laughs> so funny, uh, Eric Young is the leader so far, along with the New Age Outlaws, because they both have appeared the most so far. Uh-huh. And they've won the most matches. Wow. Okay. And and Road Dog has worst match of the night awarded to him too. Oh, amazing! Uh, and now you're going to have to add in a new one for the uh, Jerry Lawler Award for the uh, for, for commentary in brackets in co- for commentary or services rendered on audio. <laughs> I think he's going to be the undisputed holder of that oh, of that award, whatever that is. I mean, there's some pretty diabolical oh. uh, WCW pay-per-views. Which uh, if we get to Mar- if we get to Mark Madden, he he's yes, some competition. He is in a league of his own, I think, um, and and possibly Josh Matthews at some stage. And uh, there's there's quite a few. There's quite a few. And Jr's got his own moments as well. Uh, but there you go. Okay. Yeah. So that brings our show to a close. Um, I will leave the announcement for the next episode up to you. What are we going to be watching next? So can I announce both of our next episodes? Do one. Just start with the one that we're doing Just first. one? Just okay. one for now. Yeah, I'll leave that one. Just tease tease the audience, leave them wanting more. Alright, well, we like to keep things relevant and on topic, and the next big holiday coming up is Valentine's Day. Uh, is that like a worldwide holiday? I don't is that know. celebrated in Ireland? I mean, we celebrate it, but I couldn't tell you when it is, okay. which I probably should because I've got a wife. But um... it's uh, February fourteenth. Okay, I'm assuming fourteenth of February. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, so that's the next. And one. Uh, there's only one pay per view that has anything to do with Valentine's Day, and that's Saint Valentine's Day Massacre of 1999, which is where the Big Show makes his debut. So that's exciting. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Very good, and that will be coming up in two weeks' time, of course. Uh, so tune in for that. Uh, so all's yeah, left. If we did not completely botch this, we'll be live streaming again. So yes, I definitely think so. Tune in for that. Hundred percent worth it. Um, so yes, you can catch us now on Twitch, um, and as always, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at WrestleBlast. We're on Facebook at WrestleBlast. We're on YouTube at well, sort of at WrestleBlast. If you Google us, you'll, you'll find us. Um, and of course you can listen to this podcast pretty much anywhere you might get a podcast from Amazon uh, Anchor, Spotify wherever you get it from you'll get us there um, so anything you want to uh, plug dude? anything come up? no I just I just want to thank everyone for watching um, wh- whether you're listening on Spotify on YouTube if you're or following our Twitter uh, if you're paying any attention to us thank you so much and share with your friends and yeah if you're not down with that I got two words for you suck it I thought you were going to go I thought you were going to say goodbye I'm going to be PC I'm going to say goodbye goodbye